0: Hello, everybody. Welcome to Frame Trap. We're recording on a Monday morning. Feeling good. The sun is really nice. The, mm-hmm. the weather down here has been wonderful lately. Uh, and I usually start off these podcasts, by the way. I'm your host, Ben Moore. And if you're not familiar with what Frame Trap is, it's a show where we talk about video games. We talk about what we've been playing. We, we try to pick apart these games and understand our feelings on them. We also talk about topics. And I've got a topic with you today. That I want to bring up. But before we do that, I need a mental check-in. I'm going to start with you. Sitting right next to yeah. me is Bradley Hi. Ellis. Hi. Uh, Brad, as I said, I usually tend to ask like a, a general question. Like, mm-hmm. what are you most afraid of? To kind of warm us up. Oh, get okay. get the show started. Okay. But uh, you've been doing a lot. You just finished a retro. Your first retro that you yeah. worked on. Yeah. Uh, the fall season's picking up, so you've been doing more reviews. Yeah. So how are you feeling with uh, your workload? Oh, Workload?
1: Yeah. Uh, pretty good. Yeah. I just did Cuphead last week, I think. Mm-hmm. My other one, i just wrapping up now. Mm-hmm. Hat in time. Wrapping that up. Okay. Uh, pretty pumped right now because I just chugged some Mountain Dew. Okay. So I'm feeling pretty amped. Feeling
2: amped up. Yeah. Not sponsored. Not sponsored.
1: So
0: can I get a, just a very brief post-mortem on the work that you did on the retro? Because sure. uh, I've done work on retros in various uh degrees and there are sometimes i finish retro and i'm like i can't wait to do that again and there are times <laughs> i do it and i like I never want to do that ever again uh-huh. so where are you at personally uh, i am willing to do it again
1: okay need a little breather though okay because that one took me a long time but it'll always be easier from now on because mm-hmm. it probably won't be, be be me doing it by myself okay that's what made it the hardest
0: you want to share the load You want to collaborate with other allies to do that stuff. Uh, At the end there, Kyle Bossman. Yeah. How you doing? Well. Well. Well, it's... Kyle, I think sometimes it's it's easy to forget, and I I don't mean this in a negative way, but it's easy to forget, like, how much you got going on. You got a lot going on. Sure. uh, You're overhauling, uh, like, Patreon tiers. You're very heavily involved in that. You have to wrangle uh community votes for the stream Mm -hmm. you're also working on a new show you also have to host a podcast every week (laughs) you have to prep for you got a lot going on how are you dealing with it what is the level of intensity of that workload right now Mm, the
2: anxiety level is high
0: okay just because of box speak okay if you're not familiar with box speak everyone
2: it's a series i'm working on uh where i'm doing everything and kind of like what brad said i as you're doing it you're like oh next time it's not all me Yeah, 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 Yeah. immediately. Like you're thinking of all like all the art that you're doing and all shooting and and writing. I definitely enjoy doing all myself. And in fact, if anyone else wanted to write an episode, I would say no. Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) you're thinking about it. You're thinking about it. (laughs) But if someone was like, "Kyle, I'll draw some characters for you," I'd be like, "Come in, let's do this." Uh, But yeah, for this for the time being, it's Ben. It's fun to be in on every part of the process, and that's really what I'm thinking of it as is just a brutal learning lesson, a brutal hard. Uh, 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 challenge of just uh, learning each part of making an entire series on your own. Mm-hmm. And for that reason it is fun. Nice. It's not fun but it's fun.
0: Uh, do you think that you were mentioning if somebody who is a really good artist came up to you and said hey I want to make some art for brush piece and they're like yes please you're reaching out for that. Yeah. Do you ever think that if that happened you might once the process was started feel the other way where you're like oh I actually kind of miss making art. Yeah. Okay. Mm
2: -hmm. yeah that's why it is important for me for this first thing for box peak to do everything myself Mm -hmm. yeah yeah cool because also there's i'm never happy with my own stuff but if i'm unhappy with what the other person did i won't say it Mm -hmm. and that's a problem that's a problem that is a problem that's a problem if you draw me a bad drawing for box peak Mm -hmm. i'm gonna hate it
0: yeah it's gonna ruin how i feel about this right and then that fear of having to tell them that, their response, what they do with it. Yeah. You see a headline, Cobb Bossman, you know, screamed at me because of the picture that I drew for Pete. Yeah. That's something that you got to deal with. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did think of a question that applies to, to both of you. And I'm just curious, because maybe this will apply to our audience as well. It's something that I go through, where I, I always feel like I've got a review to work on, which is true. I do always have a review to work on. And so sometimes I struggle with... Figuring out when I should take time just for me. Oh, yeah. Yes. Do you have any sort of method for that? Because it definitely... I, I do not have a consistent method mm, by any means. I like to
1: schedule a certain amount of hours to okay.
0: work. That's good.
1: Then I'm like, okay, I'm done for today. It depends what I'm doing, though, and how long you have to do it, you know? Absolutely. Sometimes you got to review. You got you to gotta work on that thing no matter sure. what. But that's what I try to do.
2: Okay. I guess, Ben, it's like it's like those post-midnight hours
0: yeah. Ooh. where
2: you knew you wouldn't be working anyway, and so it's just like, okay, I can chill out. I yeah. can decompress with these post-midnight hours.
0: Like I couldn't, even if I wanted to, I couldn't do this, so yeah. I'm taking it. Yeah. I'm taking this time. Yeah, I actually tend to get into a mindset that is very similar to that. Um, but the reason why I just kind of individually checked in with you mm-hmm. is because we're doing something on this podcast that we've never done before. That's oh, exciting. Sweet. Yeah, it is. We're doing the Otake! <laughs> right now. No! Yes. No! Yes. We're doing it right now. Ugh. Because I'm upset. Ugh. I'm I'm genuinely upset. <sighs> and I've put a lot of thought into this. Um and there's something that I want to preface this conversation with. Uh, with the Otake, I've got like sort of different things that I think is important for Otake. And there've definitely been some bad Otakes. I'm not not saying that there haven't been, but what I try to do is I try to make sure that it's something that I actually care about. I try to make sure that it's something that hasn't been talked to death, and I try to make sure that it's something that we can at least attempt to speak to, whether we end up doing it or not is a different story, but at least attempt to speak to someone intelligently or offer meaningful questions or something like that. Uh, but today, I'm, I'm upset about the thing that everybody's upset about that's all over the news, but I think that in and of itself is part of the hotake. And the question for Deus Hotake is when is enough enough? And I am specifically talking about loot boxes and the way games are monetized. And yes, this is a game, this is a this is a story that's been talking about to death. You might be hearing this, you might be rolling your eyes right now. But bear with me. Bear with me. I think I've got some things to say.
1: Yeah, you're fired up.
0: I right am. Now. I'm very fired up. Yeah. I entered this room angry. I'm a little angry because I want to talk about Shadow of War, and I don't want to talk about it in a general sense. I want to talk about my personal experience thinking about and purchasing Middle-Earth Shadow of War, Mm -hmm, the sequel to Shadow of Mordor, okay? So I really like Lord of the Rings. I do. I'm a sucker for it. I've seen those movies a lot of times. I actually haven't read all of the Lord of the Rings books, but I read The Hobbit. I have an attachment to it. I like it. You tell me you're making a Lord of the Rings game. That's like, it's not necessarily I'm going to play it, but it's like, ah, okay, I'm listening. You've got my ear. Okay, I played Shadow of Mordor, a game I really liked. I didn't love. I had some strong criticisms about it. But the Nemesis system I thought was very, very cool. I liked the way Talion moved. I liked killing orcs in that game. I liked the personalities that they had. Uh, I liked running around this fictional universe that I've been spending more than a decade of my life getting attached to. Whether it was perfect or not, whatever. I liked the game. Okay, Now... Very publicly, I said some concerning things about Shadow of War, and that was true. I was hesitant. I didn't think any of the trailers looked that interesting. The gameplay that I was seeing did not grab me. Absolutely. But I still wanted to play it because I liked that first game, and I liked uh, Lord of the Rings. This is a long explanation for my—I knew I was going to buy Shadow of War. Whether I liked it or not, despite my reservations, I knew I was going to get it. I had enough reason, enough personal justification for me to get it. I open up the PlayStation Store. Mm. The first thing I see, and this is not unique to Shadow of War, this is just my experience buying this game, is it's like, which edition do you want to buy? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I hadn't been paying attention. I just knew I was going to get it for the reasons that I said. And I was like, well, okay. What are the differences between the editions? So then, rather than just buying this game and getting excited about it, I'm going through all these different store pages to see what's one I actually want, what the difference is between them. That's already annoying. A mild annoyance, but already annoying. Okay? Then, because of work and other games, I don't play Shadow of War. I've probably played an hour and a half to two hours of Shadow of War. I don't really have a lot to say about the game, but then I heard stories of you can make it easier to get the final ending of the game by getting loot boxes. And before I heard that, it was kind of like a less true version of it, that like, in order to get the true ending, you have to get loot boxes. That's what I heard. And this game right now, Shadow of War, has kind of been in the background for me because I've been playing other things. I just knew I was going to get to it. And so it's just I've been kind of hearing this voice from the sidelines, but all this nasty stuff going on with Shadow of War. And doing this podcast, I knew that this is something that I'd want to talk about. And this morning, in preparation for the podcast, I was Googling, do I have to pay to get the true ending for this game? And then I I had that moment, and I said to myself, this is complete and utter BS that I have to, I've heard these things, and I have to go online to see if a company, a video game company, about a property and a game that I care about is doing this, if this is actually true. If you told me 10 years ago that I would have to Google, do I have to pay for loot boxes in order to get a cutscene, I wouldn't have believed you. I actually wouldn't have believed you. And I'm upset, and I'm not just upset about that, I'm upset because Battlefront 2, it's multiplayer, the in- this is not hyperbole, this is not throwing it under a bus, it is actually the entire progression system of that game. Is based around chance a chance which is easier for you to access if you're willing to spend money on the loot boxes which is where you get all of the things to upgrade your character yes you can craft it but that's not the point this entire system is based around loot boxes the entire design of it is based around loot boxes in Forza 7 the way you earn credits has completely changed because of the implementation of loot boxes that's just true And so it gets to a point where I wonder, when is enough enough? When are we going to accept this? And I realize that I've just been ranting on the screen for a while now, but there's a couple of other things that I want to say. Because I thought even deeper, I thought about how these conversations tend to go, with me personally. And I remember when mobile games were a thing, and there was a big outrage about how disgusting mobile games could be, but I think the excuse was kind of always, well, At least it's just mobile games. Real video games are still doing good things. just don't pay attention to mobile games. You still see that dismissive attitude towards mobile games. And uh, I think that's part of the reason why that has been able to continue. And then it was DLC and season passes specifically. Um... And it was just a pill that we swallowed. It was something that we wrote a lot of articles about. It was something that we talked about on podcasts and stuff. And then we moved on. And then we moved on to other topics. Now, if a game gets a season pass, that's not newsworthy unless it's like incredibly exploitative. That's just something that happens. And maybe you're against it. Maybe you're not. I don't know. But that is is just something that happened. And then we had microtransactions on console games. And the way that that conversation was normalized was, well, it's just basically free-to-play games on consoles that are having microtransactions. So it's fine because they're free. And then it was sixty dollar games having microtransactions. Okay? And it was it was first it was just cosmetic. That's a big defense is it's just cosmetic. Mm -hmm. Okay. And what the point that I'm trying to get to, right, is that there's always an excuse. And I think because there's always an excuse, these are just going to get more disgusting. And I think the worst part about it is I kind of feel like a patsy for enjoying Shadow of War slash Shadow of Mordor as much as I do. For caring about Lord of the Rings. When I bought that game, I felt like I was giving in. And so whether or not I can play through that game and not pay attention to microtransactions, which may or may not be true, every conversation I have about that game is now overshadowed by its loot boxes. Whenever I feel like I want to give a defense of that game, I have to say, yeah, and I didn't pay attention to the loot boxes. It has become intrinsically attached to that game in a way that you cannot ignore. Where does it stop? Where is the line for you personally?
1: Like where loot boxes aren't acceptable? Is that what you're asking are,
0: me? Are, okay, so I guess the first question is, is this acceptable? Is this acceptable? Loot boxes? Not just loot boxes, but this the specific implementations that I'm talking about with Shadow um, of War. I mean, Wars. I don't have
1: a lot of experience with Star Wars. I did not even seen what it looks like, really, in that game. The loot sure. boxes. With Shadow of War, I've played three hours, maybe, mm-hmm. and they're just kind of whatever to me. Like I've used one because I've made in-game currency. Right. I don't know. It seems unnecessary, but I understand why developers do it. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily like it because they make money. That's why they do it. But if the whole thing about you, if it's to get the secret ending or the true ending, you have to use loot boxes, I have a big problem
3: with that. It's
0: not that you have to, but I think what's so insidious about it is is two things really. Uh, Is A, that you already had a sequel that, was widely liked mm-hmm. by people. It got a lot of praise. It won Game of the Year. Okay, So you have a precedent for a game that people know is good. I think it makes it easier to sneak in microtransactions that way. The other thing is, what I'm talking about specifically with this cutscene that you can unlock, is you can you can finish the game, but then there's this, this series of siege missions that you can do where you need powerful orcs. Mm-hmm. You can just grind. You can grind it out and get those orcs if you want, or you can spend money on these microtransactions to make that process easier. So I, what I'm trying to say is I think when the, 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 the pinch is at its most intense is after you've already invested so much in the game mm-hmm. where you've quote-unquote finished the main game mm-hmm. and you want to just do the rest. You've already put in so much time. How easy is it for you to think, well, all right, I've already gotten a lot of hours out of this game. I guess I'll give in and give some, some, these microtransactions some money. Mm -hmm. like what do you do you how do you feel about that specifically
1: i wouldn't do it i wouldn't show out the money for it i think that's pretty lame you just stop playing uh i I mean Shadow War. i don't really care that much about it you know sure i'm like i don't need that true ending Mm -hmm. especially in this day and age if i really wanted to see it i could just look it up on youtube
2: right and i mean jones got there naturally Mm -hmm. you know he said he ignored it but here's the thing ben i think the right thing to do is uh what you did with this podcast you started off with this. Yeah. You said this is the most important thing we could talk about this week. Yeah. Uh, EA has said they will change the Battlefield somehow. They haven't been specific, right. but they're not oblivious to the feedback that mm-hmm. they have received. And so the thing to do, the, draw, the line to draw is get mad. Yeah, absolutely. And I think loot boxes is a bad word. I think a year ago it wasn't a bad word, but I think this recent push of loot boxes is enough to make publishers scared. They don't want their game being attached to that Mm -hmm, word anymore, yeah. And so that's pretty crazy. That's already a huge step forward. Right. Uh, The sad thing is it's hard for them to take them out because they are so profitable. You make so much money off so little effort. Yeah.
0: If you you look at how much uh, FIFA has made with Mm -hmm. its microtransactions, it's insane. It is hundreds of millions of dollars. Right. And no one is making a fuss about FIFA. No one's doing it. Uh, People love that dumb mode. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I think what's what's upsetting to me is is it's not like they're just finding the absolute breaking point of how how far they can push. Oh yeah, us. yeah, of course they are. Right? Yeah. Like think think about all this. And think what upsets me so much is Battlefront 2's marketing, where they every time they talk about that game publicly, they're saying this has so many more modes. We're, remember all of your criticisms about the first game of how Bad Bear Bones it was? Mm-hmm. We're packing this full of content. Yeah. Aren't you guys so lucky that you get this? <laughs> <laughs> Not saying, actually, we've completely changed how you interact with this game. It's a totally new and far more psychologically insidious way to screw you over. Yeah, And... The, the shadow of war thing really gets to me too where you have this game that i think i i genuinely think the nemesis system is really cool mm-hmm. and you have people who went out and they gave that game high scores and they praised it and it it was a new take on lord of the rings it was obviously taking from Batman and assassin's Creed i understand that but it wasn't it wasn't a sequel to something. It was a brand new game. It was in a prime position to set a good example. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like it's taking all of that goodwill that it earned and turning it against the people that support it the most. Yeah. That's what's so upsetting to me. And yeah. so, uh, what I want to say about Star Wars, because I was falling into this trap, and I still might fall into this trap. I think that's what I, I, I'm self disgusted as well, because I have contributed to this 100%, is Star Wars Battlefront 2 is the Star Wars game. you don't have other options like i'm sure you can bring up mobile games and things like that yeah but come on bear with me yeah console big triple a game battlefront 2 is your star wars option let's say you don't like this let's say that that's the stance you take let's say that that's the youtube comment that you write good on you i think outrage is good we should be outraged right now let's say you go see the last jedi and you love it yeah and you're like man i love star wars it's not hard to imagine it's not hard to imagine yeah and you're like I really want to play as Darth Maul. I want to do that. I want to be Boba Fett. And yeah, I know that these microtransactions are gross. I won't buy any of those, mm-hmm. but I'm going to buy Battlefront because I really want to be Darth Maul. Yeah. Which version do I buy? Which version do I buy? <laughs> right. Right. And so what, what? the question is, what do we do about it? And I feel like now I'm blaming consumers for liking a thing. But the only way that this changes is that not only are we outraged, but we actively do something about it. And the example that I want to point to is broken games. Uh, in 2014, 2015 especially, broken games were a problem. Yeah, yeah. It was rampant, and it was disgusting, and people made so much noise about it that I'm not saying games don't release with problems now, but we're not nearly in the state that we were in a couple of years ago. And I think that happened because we were proactive about it. hmm is this really a problem, and do we care enough to be proactive about it? I think it's a catch-22 to me because
1: I could see, like, like I wouldn't buy any of the loot boxes in Star Wars probably either. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, man, I might, I might want to be Boba fed a little bit and fly around. Right. So it sucks because you're giving them money, but, I mean, they're looking at analytics probably seeing how much money they can make off this. Right. Like, I bet they put this in the game because they thought they could make more money doing this than making a season pass for the game. Because mm-hmm. the first one had a season pass. I don't know how many it sold, but they're like, looking at other games, they're like, we'll make more money just having loot boxes in the game.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: But it's like, I want to play some of these games, man. Yeah, yeah. I
0: I want to play Battlefront. Yeah, like, I, I played
1: the beta. I bought Shadow War 2 because I wanted to play I'm in the same boat as you. Right. But it's like I don't wanna give you money in an act I don't necessarily agree with.
0: Right, exactly. And I think I think that is just what's so absolutely disgusting about this is I played the beta. I had a good time, especially mm-hmm. that Starfighter mode. Mm-hmm. Where everybody in the ship, it was really fun. And it's like, look at how good this looks. This is what I want. This is what I I want to play this. I wanna see that story. I wanna see that high there's, budget. There's probably video so, game so much Wars good story. in
1: those games, and right. it sucks if that's the only thing we look at
0: as a loot box. Right, and it's like it's like this pill that we're forced to swallow just because we want to like something. Mm-hmm. And then it, what it does is it creates these divisions of these people who do swallow that pill and they do play it and they do genuinely have a good time. Yeah. that That happens. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, because they like it, they feel compelled to defend it. And it's like, no, you guys just haven't actually played the game. You don't understand. It's really not that bad if you think about it this way. And so we have different groups of people, just because they want to like something, rationalizing these really gross things. Uh, and it, it, it just creates all of this confusion. And you're not sure how to feel anymore. And all you want to do is play Star Wars. Mm-hmm. You shouldn't have to jump through all of these psychological hoops <laughs> just to play Star Wars. But that puts us as consumers in a tricky position, right? Where we want to do the thing. We don't have a lot of options for the thing, but the available options to us are buy or don't buy. Yeah. That's really what it comes down to. Yeah. And how do you feel about that dilemma? Is it Uh, more nuanced than that?
2: It is. It is because you can buy and never buy anything else. You can spend your $60, play through the campaign, Mm -hmm. and then it away which is what i will do uh that also sends a message that you right. know th- they're tracking those things uh the people who are buying the microtransactions are are keeping that game sixty dollars for me mm-hmm. uh in a weird way to look at that uh <laughs> It, they're whales. Uh, basically, you put it out. If, if 5% of the people are buying these microtransactions, they're happy. Mm-hmm. The publishers are happy with that 5% paying for loot boxes. Right. The rest of us go, oh, it's not a problem. Like, it's ruining games. I don't even... Ben, I don't even like loot boxes where you can't buy them. I don't like random treasure chests. Mm-hmm. Sure. Like uh, in Horizon, some of the like highest tier quests, you're right. just you you get a random treasure chest as your reward. It yeah,
0: you sucks. A chance. It's like,
2: oh, don't you feel special? You got a purple weave. It's like, no, right. And Give then- me a cool <laughs> treasure. The thing is, is
0: these these loot boxes, these this form of monetization is just mimicking things that we've already gotten attached to and gotten used to in yeah. games. It's just copying that and yeah. making that even feel normal.
2: Yeah. So yeah, I don't like it. I don't like those things. But yeah. To but be Kyle, frank, I wanna, I'm going to buy Star Wars. I'm going to buy that game. I'm going to play the campaign and then I'm going to probably trade it in afterward.
0: But I want to challenge you on this. Sure. Because I think it's easy to do. I yeah. think it's easy to spend that $60, play that story, put it on the shelf and feel good about it. Feel yeah. like you didn't give in. But if you, on a stream or on a podcast, get mm-hmm. out there and say, Man, I don't know about those microtransactions, but that Battlefront 2 story is pretty good. Yeah. Which may be accurate and yeah. honest to how you feel. Is that... Not influencing potentially somebody to buy Battlefront two and then to get sucked into this and become a whale. Like, what if you inadvert—just I'm not saying whether it's right or wrong. Yeah. But what if you inadvertently create whales? How do you because feel about that?
2: You're 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 saying because the systems are. Mm, intrusive because they they play to the human mind i guess what you mean right
0: and you so you Sometimes, have somebody so you have somebody that's like well i really trust kyle's opinion yeah i'm gonna buy battlefront 2 and then just play the story oops right. i spent 300 dollars. yeah yeah
2: <laughs> it's like jedi mind tricks they work on the of right, mind right yeah and uh, they
0: have all of these different avenues to attack but it's like don't worry about it just play the story mode mm-hmm. like at what point do we just have to take a much harder stand than that
2: right that's not it. That's not the point yet. We're not at that point yet, right? I, I'm trying to imagine the point in which I would not play through Battlefront Two in protest. Uh, You'd have to pay for each level. Yeah, it'd have to it'd have to affect that campaign. Mm. It would have to it would have to intrude upon my enjoyment of that campaign. Uh, it would have to. But I mean, this is what you're dealing with with Shadow of War. It's intruding right. upon the campaign, right? And yeah. the thi-
0: the thing is that I want to stress to people. Sometimes I think. That intrusion doesn't always have to be literal, and I realize that probably sounds like a crazy thing to say. Mm-hmm. I have not, I need, like, I. It's very important to me to be as honest about this as possible. Uh, I have not played a substantial amount of Shadow of War. I could get through that game, not spending a dime, and feel totally good about it, and end up walking away super positive about Shadow of War mm-hmm. overall. So there may not be the literal intrusion that I fear, but the fear is the whole point that I'm thinking about it. That as yeah. I'm playing this game, it's like I'm waiting for that other shoe to drop. Yeah. Where, where I like when, as I'm playing this game, I feel like an idiot for playing this game. That matters. That effect matters. I can't just enjoy the thing anymore because of everything surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Um, and you said that we're not at that point yet. And so I'm going to do something that's not fair. Because okay. It's a really hard question to answer. Yeah. What's that point where, where, where you, where loot boxes are in your story mode. Is that what it is?
2: Yeah. Uh, right. Uh, Let's look at, like, God of War or Spider-Man, games mm-hmm. I'm excited for for 2018. Yeah. Uh, if Spider-Man's upgrades are randomized, I'm still going to buy that game. You are? Yeah. I'm going to be mad. Yep. I'm not going to be happy about it. If, if if Spider-Man, like, happens upon loot boxes in parts of the city, that would, that'll that crush me. So, But, but I'm still
0: going to get that but game. But are you just admitting that you're feeding it? Yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's just, it's hard for me to imagine... A game that I'm very, very excited about it, it being the line. It's hard for you to right. imagine loot boxes being that line. And I mean, like I, I guess it's the exact point. Let's say you're a video game publisher. You're in charge of those things. Right. You would have to lose half your sales before you consider getting rid of loot boxes, I feel like. Yeah. Because of the amount of money. When you just said FIFA, they make more money from the loot boxes than they do from sales. Absolutely. And so, like, you'd have to lose... Half is maybe a, a huge exaggeration. You would have to lose so many sales. Right. But... Uh, they hate the tweets. They hate people saying loot boxes in tweets. Right. The image too. They get because from it because it makes it harder yeah.
0: to pull this kind of stuff off. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: So I would say, like, to people who are upset about loot boxes, just say "lol loot boxes" to every single tweet they send yeah. out. Like, follow the account and make fun of loot boxes every oh, time my. they tweet. Uh, spread that, be funny, be creative in the way you make fun of their loot boxes. Right. Uh, uh, be honest and truthful, and that will hurt them worse than anything. Absolutely. If if you
0: dig oh, well, in... To and a, not buying yeah. also hurts.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not buying also hurts, but uh, like,
0: still have fun with video games. Absolutely still have fun with <laughs> yeah, video games. Yeah, yeah don't know. quit but your there's, hobbies. There's, all right, there's two things, there's yeah, two yeah, points yeah, yeah. that I want to bring up there. Yeah. And I realized that with the uh, where, where is the line and... Like, where's enough for you? I realize that we could just fantasize hypothetical situations all day, and I don't want to do it to the point of ridiculousness, but I do think there are some logical steps that you can envision, right? So I want to talk to you about this Battlefront 2 story. Just Again, this is a hypothetical situation. I'm not saying that this is the Battlefront 2 story. I'm just bringing this up for conversation. Let's say you play that story and you really like it. It's good. It's well-written. You care about the characters. Mm -hmm. Battlefront 3, continuation, direct sequel. They're finishing the fight, quote-unquote. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And they know that you're attached. Yeah. They know that you care about those characters. Yeah. And you reach, you're in level two of Battlefront 3. Yeah. And uh, you keep dying. And the third time you die, a screen pops up and it says, Hey, you seem to be dying. You want to buy a loot box. That's what it says.
2: Yeah. And you know what's funny, Ben, is I don't but it feels bad as you it were does. saying with shadow of war you know it's there it's psychologically you're aware of the existence and then you are paying money right you are you are paying time to not pay money basically yes and it, that's what truly i hate that yes. i hate that more worse than anything uh yeah i, I would you're right I, you, there's a line ben I, I might have you might drop it there because a lot of games i stop playing Uh, even games that I'm really enjoying, I'll stop playing because it's not worth the time investment anymore. Mm. Uh, uh,
0: uh, and so, yeah, you're right. I would draw a line there.
2: Um, that would make it not worth it to me anymore to continue playing.
0: You said still enjoy video games. Yeah. I think that's a good line that you brought up too. And I think it's fair and has even worked against us at Easy Allies. We try to find the fun in video games. Yeah. We don't spend a lot of time being mad. We don't, we don't do it. We... I think, go out of our way to not spend time being mad because we love video games because we see that there is so much good out there. The rest of the show is going to be a lot of the good that is out there. Uh, But at the same time, when I think about this year and I think about how over and over again we keep saying how good it is, like, because it's so good, doesn't it make it easier to ignore this stuff? Like, doesn't it? Because I'm thinking about shadow of war right and i understand that that game is not an rpg and that it's offering very specific things but i think about divinity original sin 2 which is a game i'm going to talk about later but it's a game that that in my honestly in my mind is pretty much doing everything right yeah it is enormous it is giving me a fantasy world with consequences it is interesting i think a lot of people out there don't have the connection to divinity that they do lord of the rings middle earth all of that nonsense like, it, would it not be healthier for us to maybe give something a chance in a year where it's an embarrassment of riches rather than doing something like like listen I paid I played the Battlefront 2 beta. I cannot speak to the overall quality of that game. I liked it I had a good time. I realized that if I bought that game I would probably most likely probably play it for a week and then be done with it and then never think about it again which is I also think is how they get away with a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff yeah but like do I, do I really need that week? In a year where there's so much, when there's so much I've been ignoring, do I really, are we, are we so strapped for Uh, things to,
1: I don't know, I have a hard time telling people to not play what they feel like playing. Absolutely. Kind of thing like that, you know, it's like, yeah, Yeah. there's so many great games to play and I acknowledge that, but I want to play this game right now. Sure. I don't think I should deprive myself of playing something I really want
0: to just to play something else. I agree with you. If you want to play it, don't, don't let some idiot on a podcast tell you no. I'm just saying, wh- le- like, entertain the thought. Yeah, that's I all.
1: think it's important to think about that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: But I don't think you should feel bad for playing something if you enjoy it. No, I don't think you should. F- if you enjoy Shadow of War, if you enjoy Battlefront 2, if you're excited about those things, that's not wrong. Mm-hmm. That's I don't think that's the conversation that we're trying to have, but because those conversations are so similar, I think it, I think it muddies the waters. I think it... Uh, makes it poisonous because as i said they're turning what you love against you whether you're participating in it or not Mm -hmm. in a really in a really strange way um like think about for honor as well where the microtransactions were controversial in that game and were talked about in that game i think that hurt that game i do I think there are other things that hurt that game, but because that that was a new thing that didn't have precedence, it buried that game and financially hurt that game in a way where these big things who are coming off of very successful games don't run that same risk.
1: Yeah, that's a good point.
0: I think... Yeah, I just... I also think, as I was talking about with this being a good year, that, like... I just don't want things to feel normal, I guess, because there are so many good things that you can play, because it has been a year that will go down in the history books in terms of... We're going to wish it was this good again. That's going to happen. I don't know if it's going to be next year. I don't know if it's going to be 2019. I don't know if it's going to be 2020. But just me, personally speaking, I'm going to wish it was this good again. I don't want that to be an excuse to not call these things out. Yeah, sure. And I think the other thing is, honestly... uh, you need to let us know. You need to let us know when we're dropping the ball. And uh I see that happen sometimes and I see that we ignore it sometimes, but that's that's on us. That's not on you. Like don't feel bad if you don't think we're we're covering something or not giving something like That's our job. And I like I said I don't think we as Easy Allies have been perfect about it. I can think of several easy examples where I was dismissive about it or I rolled my eyes or I ignored it and that's This is really gross because I think we think about us, right? I am fortunate enough to have a lot of disposable income for games. Mm -hmm. This isn't really a big deal to me. If I buy a couple loot boxes or something, it's not a big deal. But I can't imagine being a kid and not having the luxury that I did with N64 or PlayStation, where I basically put a game in and played it and I didn't have to think about any of this. For months. For months. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like, as a kid, asking my parents, to pay for this stuff or like finding ways to pay for it myself or just trying to understand it. Like, I also think it's important to take a step back outside of your own situation and think about how this could affect other people in different demographics. I think that's really important. And like, I don't want this to be full outrage. I don't want this to be something that we like bring up on one hotake and then don't talk about anymore. Um, but I think it's an important... I think it's an important thing to call out, and I'm I like when Battlefront Two comes out. Like I want to get back on the show, and I want to I want to talk about it again. Um, Brad, hmm. do you think you so you enjoy Overwatch? Mm-hmm. You reviewed Overwatch. Mm-hmm. You still regularly play Overwatch. Uh, the microtransactions in Overwatch are purely cosmetic. That's just yep. a fact. Yep. Yeah. Uh, do you think that paves the way for more insidious microtransactions? I think, think thin- it did to an extent
1: like uh how to say i think overwatch made loot boxes much more prominent in gaming i feel like because was a huge success mm-hmm. so it could have poisoned the well a little bit i think overwatch does it probably the best you could do it that i know of right now with loot boxes but i don't know if it's necessary for the game if it mm-hmm. needed to be there i mean it's all a business so i get why people do it because i want to make money mm-hmm. but i don't know i just I don't have a correct answer for this question for loot boxes. I just don't know what the answer is. I don't think anyone does.
0: Do you think, uh, and this is a question to both of you, do you think if something is financially successful for a business, then, then, then it's okay? <sighs> the answer is no, across all businesses. You have to make ethical
2: decisions. You have to do the right thing for your brand sometimes uh, and not for, for bottom line. You have to pull your Pepsi ad. You have to do th- sometimes. Like- yeah, yeah. You have to.
1: But that doesn't mean the co- the companies will try to get away a lot of times with what they can.
2: Yeah.
1: Of course they're gonna try to do that. They'll try something and see if it works or not. Then if it doesn't work, they'll pull back on it.
2: Because here's the thing, Ben. I think if you asked this six months ago, you said, "Hey, will this game have loot boxes?" Somebody who works for a publisher, an executive would say, "Yeah, loot boxes are good. Right? Y'all love yeah, loot kids boxes. Love loot That's boxes. a good word." And so I think that it's good. I think that loot box is becoming a bad word is a good thing.
0: Mm-hmm. You you brought up a very personal example that I that no one has gotten to see, uh, and I feel bad about bringing this story up because I I don't have names. But I was at a Microsoft event and they were showing off uh, Halo Wars. No, it wasn't Halo Wars two. It was Halo Five. Okay. True. Trying to get trying to get the story right. Sure, sure. It was Halo Five, and there there's cards in that game that you mm-hmm. can unlock, and it, and it's and it says. There was a guy who came up. He was associated with the game somehow. I, I'm not sure if he was a developer or a PR person or what. So I feel bad that I am fuzzy on the details. But he said he was saying how much he was looking forward to people who stream video games, their excitement when they got like a rare, a card, powerful yeah. card. And I think about... Games now, and I think about a game that I, I've played a lot, like Hearthstone, how exciting it is to watch people open packs and yeah. see when they get legendaries or laugh at them when they get bad cards, right? Like, it's it's, it's not just these games doing bad. It is that, like, we are tuning into this stuff and supporting it and giving views to this sort of thing. Like, it is a, a whole culture. It's not just individual examples of, of people doing bad things, and... I think in some ways, like you were talking about, Kyle, uh, we like this. We want to get rare drops. Yeah. We enjoy this. And so I think from a people who make games perspective, uh, I could see how you could rationalize this to yourself where you're like, no, this, this is what they want. And this is what we're giving them. And it's fine. It's mm-hmm. just it's just a different form of something that they've been doing for years. Um, what do you think about the games are expensive argument? Where... Games cost a lot of money to make, big AAA games, lots and lots and lots of money, lots Mm -hmm. of marketing, Mm -hmm. big machine, um, and this is being done as a way to offset costs.
1: And games are cheaper now than they have been in the past, too. Think back to the NES games, and 64 games, something like 80 bucks, Mm -hmm. and pretty much 60 is the price for everything, like, big. I mean, there's way cheaper games, too, you can buy now, Mm -hmm. so you gotta throw in all that stuff, too. Like oh we got to keep it sixty dollars. Don't wanna make an eighty dollar game.
0: So you're saying so you're saying you're sympathetic to that.
1: That not necessarily. I'm just trying to think of both sides here. You know, sure. Like I don't necessarily agree with it, but I'm trying to come from their perspective on it. Like who knows like if a developer's lying to you or not. If they're being truthful for you to you, I don't know necessarily every time. It's just a weird case by case basis. Okay. Or if someone was like to me, Nintendo came out and they're like for this new Mario Kart we need uh, loot boxes to make a new Mario Kart. I'm like no, you probably don't need that. You would just find before. Mm-hmm. But maybe a smaller game. I don't know. I can't think of a game example right now, but like or for like Shen- if Shenmue 4 happens or something like that. Like well, we, we need real you know those little capsules that you got to be little microtransactions so we can get this game made. Yeah. It's just like ah, oh, dude, that sucks. But they don't want to get their game made. I don't know how bad it is necessarily. I'm just trying to think of hypothetical situations where they do say they need it in the game. Sure.
0: What do you think, Kyle?
2: Yeah, uh, it's weird. It's weird to talk about uh, because $60, even though it is less comparatively, it's still a lot of money compared to everything else in this world. Uh, A new game is still expensive, and and even if it is less so, it's still a lot. Uh, Basically, the thing that makes it complicated is online. The idea that like overwatch that the team is bigger now than it's ever been when mm-hmm. they launched it because there are so many people constantly working on that game because it's online, and so it's not as easy for a publisher to just put it out and then not add any more cost to it anymore mm-hmm. uh They are spending money for us to play online uh whether that's updating it or just you know mm-hmm. keeping the servers working I don't know and so and adding new things and things like that, and so uh. Yeah, a lot of games are continued costs as much as they are continued revenue uh, for publishers. And so, you know, Last Guardian was $60 last year. Last Guardian is a game with zero DLC. You just play it. You get through that game, and that is a complete package. And that's something that I appreciate so much. It's something I value so much Mm -hmm. in a video game. Uh, Personally... I like those games. Personally, I, I you know I, I don't play multiplayer games very often, and, and uh, you, you, it's just, it's part of the games that I just like, that I'm gravitate toward, but I, I'm not, I can't take a stance against games that are 30 with microtransactions or 60 with microtransactions, because that's what people like. People like those things. But, uh, the counter examples are out there, and they're good. Yeah. There are good games that are $60 that are just complete yeah. and, and are a thing, and that's mm-hmm. just, uh always a joy for me. The
0: the thing about games being expensive and you don't you don't understand the cost of what it goes into to make a game and I I think it is crazy that video games get made at all, the stories that you hear and the things that they have to deal with, I understand that. But I think at a certain point as a consumer your responsibility isn't to go, "Oh, it's hard. Go ahead, monetize away." Like it's not your responsibility to do that. It's your responsibility to send a message by vocalizing what you do and you do not like, by spending money on things that you do and do not like. You're on the receiving end of this. And so your job is to figure out what you do and do not like about it and Mm -hmm. and say why. And to me, it, it becomes a slippery slope, right? Because if you say, well... Games are expensive and they need to offset costs. This is the way they figured out how to offset costs. Deal with it. That just gives them free reign. Correct. Yeah. If That's just a way of silencing people. Yeah. That's just a way of saying, oh, okay, because of that, I can't and speak it out. And it doesn't
1: necessarily mean it's true all the time either.
0: Right. Yeah. I don't, I don't think in any situation, not just video game prices... It's ever an excuse to go. Well, I don't have an answer for this, therefore I can't speak out. That mm-hmm. doesn't that doesn't make any sense and creates. Well, I mean, yeah, you can discuss way. stuff without necessarily
1: right. having an answer. You right. could find an answer by discussing with other people.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: But uh, Ben, you, you touched on a thing that I want to that I, I think is a, a cool point. Uh, we, you know, when people say like "Speak with your wallet," yeah, uh, I don't think your wallet is your largest voice. Mm-hmm. I really think it's your Twitter account. I think it's your YouTube account. I think you can do much more speaking. Uh, I think publishers and developers will hear you much louder Mm -hmm. uh, personally Mm -hmm. than with your wallet. Your wallet says nothing. One sale means nothing to them. It really, really does. But uh, your voice reaches more people. Uh, If you're just on their own message boards, you're making intelligent comments, not hateful. But if you can actually break them down, make it clear to them how you feel about these things, that is so much more powerful. Right. Yeah. Your wallet is not your most powerful.
1: Uh, uh, well, it depends who you are. I mean, some personal internet might not have a huge voice or something like that. Most
2: people don't. But if you come across as intelligent and
0: and respectful, yeah, people will see you it. Are. Yeah. People will see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely.
1: I mean, you could do both if you really want to. Uh, to oh yeah. The
0: the last thing that I want to touch on with this topic that I've that I can speak from with with personal experience is uh, how pre-release coverage plays into this. And sure. I don't want to sugarcoat it for anyone. It's actually it's actually a nightmare, and I'm not. I, I'm actually criticizing pre-release coverage, not trying to defend it. Uh, but there have been multiple examples where we've been playing a game, whether it's a preview or a review or whatever it is, where microtransactions are not available online. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're just not. You just can't. You just can't engage with them because they're not. Mm-hmm. When they give you the game to play it, you can't access those things. Yeah. Or uh, they are, but they're shied away from or deflected or the way that the embargo is placed it 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 i honestly feel like they make it as difficult they want to minimize that as much as possible and uh look out for that because there have been times i think where it's easy to say like oh they're saying it's not a big deal you don't have to pay to win you can get through it it's just a thing that they're doing When you don't, when they're withholding it from you, it's easy to buy into that because you're not evaluating that thing as it is. You're evaluating it as they're telling you it is. And I'm not saying that we're good at this at all. I'm saying, like, please look out for that. And what I'm worried about is it's actually something that I really valued from streamers because I think relatively early on in the streaming life cycle, streamers were not considered press. They didn't have the access Mm -hmm. that they have now. And they were... They were consumers, and so you'd be seeing the things that they'd be going through on launch day. You'd be seeing the things that they could call out that maybe the press, because of how it was presented them, couldn't call out as accurately. But now press, or now streamers are getting even more attention than the press. Yep. Um, and they're being put through the same things. And so I, it, it's, like, it's like they're just trying to have as much control as possible. And in addition to that, they are not... Like, Look at these games. Look at these big games when they actually announce what their microtransactions are. A lot of times it's not until like right before the game comes out. Yes. And you will see interviews with people on it and they will ask about the microtransactions and they will say they're not ready to talk about it. Yeah. yeah. They're purposely withholding this stuff. Mm Because it's always bad press for them. Because it's always bad. It's never good. Yeah, it's never good. It's never good. You're never like,
3: yeah! And (laughs) so, you have this
0: perfect (laughs) storm Uh of them giving it to reviewers early and streamers early, but not sending the microtransactions live. Yeah. And so you get all this coverage and you get all this talk about this game and then right before it comes out, they're like, here's what we're doing. And it's like they're just trying to sneak it in. Mm-hmm. And that's not okay. It, so, is,
2: it is not even like it. They are trying to sneak, sneak it in. Yeah. Yeah. They, they are, trying are to doing sneak that in. actively, yes.
0: Right. And so what I want to say, and <laughs> I have to be careful here because uh, we, we are not doing any, right now there's no sweeping changes to how we undergo reviews or anything like that at Easy Allies. Um, but I want to let the audience know that I realize how important it is for you to have reviews in a timely fashion so you can use that information to make better purchasing decisions. I understand that. But I also think I want to talk about these things and let you realize that like, I think it is better for us to have a more complete idea of that game and Mm -hmm. feel confident about what we're telling you and give you as much information as possible before publishing a review even if it's late and that's a conversation we need to have within az allies and talk about nothing is happening right now but it rubs me all sorts of the wrong way yeah yeah
1: like i think our star wars review should wait like a day or two to test everything out when the game yeah just make sure everything works properly like right I always think you should do that with online games. Right, and
0: it's it's one thing, right, if you're playing with another journalist online in mm. Battlefront 2 and you're playing with a very small pool who like maybe does not spend a lot of money on these loot boxes, but then day one, you're seeing people who spend all this money, they have this huge advantage, theoretically, right, if that's how it plays out. Um, that'll give you a much different impression. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think I think as games change, we need to think about, changing to help cover them and i think sure i think everyone needs to work together on that uh i did a lot of the talking there and i apologize but i just had a lot of a lot of feelings a lot hot of things tea. that i want to that was good up. yeah yeah hot tea um is anybody? Do you guys have any closing thoughts? Do you think there's anything that we're forgetting? A, pers- a side that we're not seeing? Something we're not talking about?
2: I realize the phrase is "vote with your wallet, not speak with your wallet." Yeah. So I do wallet. regret that. Sure. It's okay. Yep. I know okay. what you meant though. Yep. yep.
0: <laughs> In terms of frame trap sins, I think that's like on the low end. Sure. Uh, but I want to. I want to lighten things up a little bit.
1: Okay. Uh, I have wait. I just have a quick piece of advice. I would recommend to consumers. I would recommend not necessarily pre-ordering the game
2: right away. Yes,
1: I would. <laughs> I would wait a little bit if you're cautious about a game. Like some yeah. games, we're going to we're, we're super hyped about like Mario. No yeah. brainer. We're pre-ordering that. I think
2: Wolfenstein Two is even a no-brainer at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, if right. like you know what that game is. Yeah, unless they're just like the loot box is right here, right now, out right. of nowhere, which could suck. It's just it's, always
2: like, do no brainers then become So maybe right, not. So Evil Within 2 has no loot boxes, right? No. No. Okay. Like they they'll they will get their extra money off DLC. What's for amazing to
0: yeah. me is i put so much time into that game. Yeah. I really have. I've put a lot it took of time a into sec. that game. It took and I a just sec. was like, am I sure?
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Honestly, That's where I'm at. I I played like oh, no. four hours on thinking about yeah, it in my yeah, brain yeah. too.
2: I'm like, am I there yet? Oh yeah. yeah. I think Bethesda's cool with it. I think Bethesda's cool right now.
1: Right
0: now. now. For well, now, yeah. But Always, then you got the whole paid mod situation. Oh right, so yeah. right. What we're right. talking about we'll just, just hit you like a ton of bricks. <laughs> we'll, we'll, talk, we'll Just hit you like a we'll ton of bricks.
1: One specific game example, <laughs> case by case kind of thing. I don't know. Right. Like, my advice would be to try to educate yourself and yeah. do. It does suck how you're saying that we have to look up all this stuff now. Yeah, yeah. Which is a pain in the butt.
0: Well, I'm not say, like it's our job to look things up, so I'm not trying to say like. But is under, ours. But like, for consumers, that sucks. I, if I yeah. was. Like, I wasn't in
1: the game industry as long as you guys were. So yeah. I remember looking stuff up like that, especially when I was younger. Because mm-hmm. around the PS2, i like, I can only buy this game if it's I get enough time out of it for my money. Mm-hmm. So I was buying a lot of RPGs at the time. Like, I hope this gets enough time like that. But I do think it's important to maybe pump the brakes sometimes and do wait. Yeah. You, you could wait. In this day and age, you could wait for the game and get it still that same day. You don't have to worry about stores selling out necessarily. If you mm-hmm. want it digital, you could still get it. Yeah, so I would just be cautious on that front. Ne- don't necessarily pre-order things right away. Totally. And if you do pre-order something, and you find something else you don't like about it, just cancel your pre-order. Mm-hmm. You could do that. You don't have to buy the game. Just that, cancel it too. Yeah,
0: just cancel it. Yeah. Um, I've got some news for you guys. There was no forbidden word said today. We're uh, good. Brad and I are good at that. Yeah, very good at that. Yeah. Very courteous. Uh, but the demons put us in a cotton frame shop anyway. Anyway. Yeah, they did. What we we're calling it the sympathy, the sympathy catch. They're like, we we need to cool off. We Need to play a little game. We've got a fun little game for you. We know you didn't break the rules, but we're doing this for you guys. Demons. Yeah. So the demons, the demons are trying to throw us a bone and putting us in this hellish dimension for our own sake. Sure. With no word. <laughs> uh, if you have no idea what I just said, this is your first time listening to the podcast. Uh, normally, what it is is somebody will say a word, wink, wink. Uh, and then that will prompt a little game that we yeah. play—a little way to break up the flow of the podcast. But we were too good. Brad and I were being very careful we with good. The vocabulary, You're on your best yeah. behavior, and you got—you got boned anyway. <laughs> Didn't say any of the forbidden yep. words. I—I
1: yep. I forgot all the forbidden words. I even forgot about this segment, yeah. and yeah. we still yeah. did it. Well, wow. no one said like cerebral
2: bore. Yeah, but cerebral
1: borg was was a Yeah, that's a
0: forbidden word. The cotton fruit trip is also where we talk about our sponsors because. Uh, this is a show that you can support on Patreon, and these, these fine sponsors have decided to do that. Our first sponsor is Argos of War. It's a first-person World War II experience that redefines the survival genre. Launching with an unrelenting 16-kilometer environment and featuring an innovative multinational warfare system, foraging, hunting, salvaging, bunker building, NPCs and resource management, and a deeply customizable job system, your strategic and survival prowess will empower you and your brothers-in-arms to battle toward multiple paths of victory. Argos of War is more than just another survival game. It's a love letter to World War II and survival fans alike. Follow the development of the project, at Argos of War, on Twitter for daily updates. And the second sponsor... It's just Greg the Dark Knight Kettering. Oh. Uh, a cool dude. Uh, he's also in the patron D&D tier, and he's really fun there. He uh, gets His character is like pretty cool and collected, and he gets frustrated with some of the antics. Like, role-playing-wise, it's pretty fun to see. Um, but it's it's fun playing with him. Uh, I realized, though, after that conversation and then talking about responses, there's something that I want to say that I do want to bring up. Sure. Okay. Where... <laughs> Uh, Jones, I think, once famously said that easy allies is microtransactions, yeah, and that's not uh, that's not entirely untrue. We're loot boxes. Let's yeah, be real. Absolutely, we we subsist through direct support from you guys. That's just a fact. We're not. I don't want to try to cover that up or minimize that. That's what we're doing. We're asking for money from you guys, and so with that said, uh, I don't ever want people to feel like they need to pay us. I want you to pay us. If you think we're doing a good job, if you like us, if you want to support us, I want this to be an exchange of you give us something, you get something in return. If you don't like that, you don't have to make any excuse to us. Mm-hmm. You can just not do that. That's fine. That's all I wanted to say. Uh, because that that is absolutely the situation. It's a free podcast. You know I mean? it's, a, it's free. It's a free. Yeah, it is. It's yeah. a free podcast. But if you want to support it, you can also spend $250 on it. That's something you can do. Yeah. 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 So and then we will uh, we will say whatever you want about you. That's something that will happen. But the game today, uh, I don't like playing Guess the Metacritic with games that uh, have already or that have that are going to come out. Yeah, yeah. I think not that right. I and think that right. creates a bad yep. precedent. It, mm-hmm. it, it like pins a game down when it hasn't had a chance to justify itself. Mm-hmm. But I don't think Guess the Metacritic is wrong when a game has already come out. Okay. And so I think cool. this is fun for. Uh, The reason of, I I want to know what your impression of the response to this game is versus Mm -hmm. what it actually was. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I've got a pretty diverse mix of games here. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the name of the game, And then on Metacritic, if it's a multi-platform game, I picked the platform with the most reviews for it. Oh, okay.
2: Most reviews. Most reviews. So not necessarily highest or lowest scores. Not Not highest highest or lowest scores, just most reviews. All
0: right. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say the game, Mm -hmm. and then I'm going to give you three different numbers. Okay. Uh, These numbers represent the potential Metacritic average. You have to pick the actual Metacritic average out of the three answers. One of them is true. The other two are false. Great. Okay. Fun. Now, this has been a problem in Caught in the Frame Trap before. You have to wait. Until all the options are said, is this even a, if you know the answer.
1: deliberate Huber?
0: No, i messed, oh. messed this up. This is to Oh, uh, yeah. You have to wait until all the answers are said. Yeah. Once the final answer is said, it's A, B, and C. Once C is said, and the thing that C represents is said, you need to whisper into your mic, Hotake. The first person to whisper Hotake gets to answer. If you get it wrong, the other person gets a free guess. If you both get it wrong, we move on.
1: I gotta say, this sounds much more... Uh Polite than how we do stuff on your podcast. <laughs> what do you? So
0: mean, what's we just supposed say it, to mean?
1: You encourage shouting out loud.
0: Yes, I do. But there, there are stakes here. Yeah.
1: But I like that yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We
0: have to, we have to have clearly defined rules because otherwise we'll be trapped in this dimension forever. Right, right. Winner snaps us out right, of it. Right. Every question you get right. This has not been said before, but it's totally true. <laughs> wink, wink. Every question you get right raises your key. Yes. You have to. You have to have enough key to break us out of the dimension. To do your super. To do your super, yeah. right. And you get to define what that super is. All right. Oh, the first I was going to
1: ask, like, what super are we talking about yeah, here? V-Jur? Yeah. <laughs> it will all make sense.
0: The first game, question number one, Resonance of Fate. Platform, <laughs> Xbox 360. If you're not familiar with Resonance of Fate, it's a weird, quirky JRPG made by TriAce Doing deep cuts. Last here. generation, Ooh. Yeah. Do you, do you guys remember this yes, game? Yes, I Not do. Not at all. I do remember what does it. it look, what's, what does it look like? Uh, so it has a really complicated battle system. It's kind of this uh, sort of like this kind of steampunky aesthetic. Okay. Uh, you're using guns, you're flipping around, a lot of industrial environments, that sort of thing. I'm flipping around. Yeah, you, you have these guns and like in the game you're doing flips and stuff shooting. It has a very complicated battle system with multiple types of damage. Okay, okay. Uh, that was... Not a great explanation. It's, okay. it's enough for me to win this. I got okay. this, though. You got this? Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. not a great explanation. I understand. Uh, a, was the Metacritic average A, 73, B, 77, or C, 68? Okay. Kyle Bossman. 73. Correct. Yep, that's what I was going to say. Nice. <laughs> wow. Break it. All right. Lego City Undercover. The Wii U version. Mm-hmm. Do you remember this game? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Option A, eighty. Option B, seventy-eight. Option C, eighty-two. Oh, okay. Kyle, eighty. Correct, dude.
1: I would have guessed that wrong.
0: You hesitated, man. I was here. I thought that was. Yours. I don't know Wii U games that well. <laughs> Next game, Mario Kart DS. On Nintendo DS. Ooh. A. 91. B. 96. C. 98. Otake. Brad. A. 91.
1: Correct. Yeah. Wow. Who doesn't like that game? That's low. But not too much. That's,
2: honestly, that's
0: low. Not too much. Yeah. I thought I was a little low myself. I really like Mario Kart DS. All right, number four. This one, we might have to explain as well Rise of Nightmares. On Xbox 360, it was a Kinect game. Oh, oh, okay. It was a survival horror Kinect game. Cool. Uh, that where you would w- run away from monsters. Great. Uh, pretty, pretty. B more B horror movie vibes, that kind of thing. That helps a lot, actually. Okay, we got this. Rise of Nightmares, A 38. Cool. Oh. B 47. Oh. Or C 54. It's on Xbox 360. Otake Brad C 54. Correct? Yeah. Oh! We yes. got it all tied up. Oh. Going into the final question. Oh man! Who's gonna take it Who's home? Who's gonna bring it up? Okay. Question number five. Jet Force Gemini mm. on Nintendo 64. Mm-mm-mm. So they remember this game. They know what this is. Made yeah. by Rare. Sci-fi third-person shooter. How many reviews could there be? Uh, there Two. were not that many. Yeah. I think I think IGN. I did not write down the number of reviews. But, but it, it was like
2: 13 magazines.
0: Yeah, it was like Nintendo 12 Power. or 14 or something like that. Oh, it, was fairly, it was fairly low. It okay. was not a lot. Yeah. All right. Uh, a, 85. B, 79. Or C, 80.
2: Oh, it.
1: Brad, oh, so B, close.
0: incorrect. No. Kyle, your options for Jet Force Gemini. C, 80. Correct. Break oh. it
2: out. Break it out.
0: Let's see this super.
2: 79 and 80 was dirty, man. Yeah. That's
1: a dirty move.
0: Yeah, dirty I try pop. to make it as dirty as possible. Yeah, you do.
3: <laughs> dirty boy.
0: Uh, but, Kyle, you've done it. You've correctly guessed the Metacritic averages of the most games mm-hmm. in this caught in a frame trap. Yeah. You now have the power. You are charged up yeah. to get us out of here. Mm-hmm. How do you expel your power? I will use the move called Solar Beam. Which what does solar beam?
2: You have to you have to spend one turn charging. Okay, but then I unleash a, a beam of solar light.
0: Okay, uh, because this is a holy place. Yeah, we will respect the amount of time that it takes for you to charge up. Great, Brad and I will not speak until you are ready to solar beam. All right, solar beam. <laughs> Not only have you broken us out of the frame trap, mm-hmm. the demons that kindly put us here yeah. have been banished to another dimension. Oh, no! <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh. Thank that was really you, insane. panelists, <laughs> splash damage, yeah. and audience for
0: putting up with that nonsense and, and playing along. I think yeah. that was a good reset That's heavy splash yeah. damage. to get us into the, the rest of the show. 80% damage. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about games now. Yeah. Um, we're going to fall. I really liked it. Uh, I know not everybody liked it, but I think the the format change that we did uh, last frame Trap, where we went game by game instead of person by person, was widely well-received, and so we're going to try it again. Keep it fresh. And I personally liked it a lot. And we'll keep it fresh. We might change again. I don't know. I don't know. We might have 10 Hotakis in a podcast. We'll see. We'll see. You never know. This is a Lucy Ushu show. But the first game I want to talk about uh, is one that I've actually put... Kind of in, kind of inadvertently put a ton of time into. And, Brad, I know you've been playing it as well as so The Evil Within 2. Uh, and the reason I wanted to put Evil Within 2 at the top of the order is, one, it's a big game, and two, I loved Evil Within 1. Mm-hmm. I loved me it. Me too. Um, it scratched an itch that I so desperately wanted scratched, but it did more than that. It was a game that constantly surprised me. It was a weird game. It was a game where every chapter I didn't know what I was going to be thrown in. Yeah. Um, and it had problems, obviously, but uh, I wanted to see if the Evil Within 2 could recapture that. Uh, where are you at in the game right now, Brad? What was your thoughts on the first Evil Within, and how are you feeling about Evil Within 2?
1: Um, a lot of questions at once. Yeah, sorry. Let me think. Well, i Where am I'm I? I'm excited.
0: Am? I tend to do too many questions.
1: Uh, um, I don't necessarily know what chapter. I'm about four hours in. Okay. The thing about it's harder for me to know exactly where I am. Because Evil Within yeah. is open world this time, it seems. Right. Like much more open world instead of stage by stage. Yeah. Uh, there's a town at the beginning of the game. Union. Is that what it's called? Yep. Union? It's called Union. I've done, I think, like, every side quest I kind of could there.
2: Uh-huh. Is it nighttime in Union? It is. Yeah, it it, is it, it's spooky. Okay. It's spooky. All, all
1: right. right. It's like a quiet little town.
2: Spooky overworld is, like, hard for me to imagine. Where you can pick up side quests.
1: It's not necessarily, like, walking around and finding an NPC yeah. all the time. Being okay. like, oh, hey, I left some ammo back there. Yeah. But,
0: but what we are touching on, Kyle, is you... you it's hard for you to imagine an overworld like this where you're going around doing this sort of stuff as being scary at all. Non-stop tension. Yeah, yeah. it's hard for me to imagine tension. tension the whole time. Yeah.
3: I
1: mean, the tension gets averted because I've gotten all these weapons from exploring everything. You're I'm stocked up.
0: Yeah, cool. Um, When I first started the Evil Within and I got to Union and it was, hey, go do this side quest. I was really caught off guard. I actually did not know. I, I didn't I know that either. That I didn't know it was really in the game. Um, I got to take off this hoodie. Yeah. It's too hot in here. Uh, (laughs) It's a solar beam. But I ended up really liking it, Kyle. And here's why. Because in a game where you need to... Like, ammo really does matter quite a bit. Where you need to be like, should I spend the sniper shot here or should I not? An open world like this, and it's... The open world kind of expands and contracts. You'll have chapters that are very focused, very evil within one, and then you'll have chapters where it's like, no, you can kind of mm-hmm. go around and do all this different stuff. And so you'll have situations a lot, like very early on, it was like, do you want to go repair the sniper rifle? And as you're getting to there, you realize, okay, there's a big group of people there, or there's a tough enemy there. Do I want to spend the resources or potentially try to sneak around them and get you know, highly damaged and then spend up resources trying to get away? Do I want to do that? To get the thing, like, is it worth it? It's mm-hmm. so you're constantly making, like, cost evaluations in your head. Cool. And I think it's really cool, and it works super well in this type of game. Yeah,
1: even... I have a lot of weapons, Kyle, but I still think about every shot I make. Great. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oof. Like, Ben said, so, like, do I really want to waste a step rifle bullet right here? Thinking yeah. about that kind of stuff.
0: Um, and I also... The upgrade system... It's interesting because I think so many of the upgrades are extremely valuable. Like just getting more health in that game is a big deal because things do a lot Everything of damage. To feels good. Everything, Everything feels, feels good. Everything feels like I want this. Yep, getting more stamina is a big deal. Yep. Uh quieting your footsteps is a big deal. And so it also feels really satisfying to have the the freedom to be like before I go and take on that story mission, which is probably inevitably going to have some sort of boss creature, uh I'm going to Get a bunch of gel. Like, I'm just going to run around and kill everything and do all the side objectives, get that gel, upgrade myself, and go in. And so that's... It's not something that's unique to the Evil Within 2, obviously, but I think does fit the style of game really well. And Mm -hmm. Kyle, I think you'll like this. I don't want to spoil it for you, because next week you're going to be doing a full playthrough with Michael Huber. Yeah. Uh, And that's actually something I want to touch on real quick. But as you're going around and doing things, like, there was this diner that I went into. And I don't remember why I went into the diner. Oh, there's like, this resonance point. And so you have this communicator... And you have these like ghostly images that you can scan with this communicator. And I did it, and I was like, okay, cool, this guy killed himself. Yada yada yada. Um, cool. and- yada yada yada. Cool. He killed himself. yada, 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 yada. <laughs> uh and then all of a sudden, within that diner, something crazy happened. Like, the game played me like I thought it was just going here, checking this box, moving on, and it used that opportunity to throw me in a dramatically different situation. And because of what the evil within is, you're in this like collective consciousness where people have actually created the world that you're in, and so things can dramatically change. You can just be in a different place randomly for no reason. Because they have that flexibility with the world and this open structure, they can really play with you sometimes in, in ways that I think is super 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 cool cool yeah um the dialogue is awful <laughs> oh no yeah. yeah
1: i noticed the voice actors
2: are all different
0: this yeah, time around yeah they are
2: i think it wasn't great dialogue in the first game either if i think back to it truthfully
0: yeah it wasn't um and maybe i, I played uh, the consequence because i hadn't played it the the last story mm-hmm. DLC for evil within but the dialogue is not great in evil within one but i think In my opinion, the performance from the voice actors was stronger, and so it didn't
1: get to me. She was from Dexter. She was from Dexter. Yeah, Yeah. I forget
0: her name. And then the voice actor for Sebastian's different as well. Yeah. And I just like Maybe I was just used to it, but I liked the old take on Sebastian. But the thing is, is like, they just don't have any fun with it. Like, if you're going to have a spooky game with bad dialogue, that's fine. That can actually be to your advantage if... If you're willing to, like, loosen up a little bit. Resident Evil. And I understand. I actually think the story is a lot easier to digest. Yes. It's a lot clearer as a whole. Um, And they they do a better job of explaining the various things at play. Um, But every line, like, almost every line that comes out of Sebastian's mouth and all the supporting characters' mouths is not interesting on any level. Like, it's not good. It's not well written. It's painfully written. But it's not any fun either. It's not even, like, you can't even laugh at it. So you just you just kind of have nothing, and so I think yeah, because it, it's a very s-
1: serious situation he's in, right? And Sebastian's not necessarily a funny guy, I right. would say, but yeah, if it, the writing was a little stronger, it'd be more impactful.
0: Yeah, I just just something like I don't need the dialogue to be amazing, but it it is not good mm-hmm. in my opinion. Um, but I do think the game itself, what I wanted from I. It's hard because I don't want to spoil anything, and I feel like I've already kind of spoiled something, so if you're upset about that, I apologize. The uh, diner thing? The diner thing. No, that's cool. What? Okay. you got to pick out some moments. Yeah, you got to like, pick out some moments. These a- are early moments I really don't think that, that really any early consequences moments. at all. I don't yeah, yeah. want to ruin anything. But uh, that game sort of... You think it's going to go a certain way, and then when you least expect it, it goes a different way, which is something that Evil Within did very well. Yeah. Um, but what I think... About The Evil Within 2 and the biggest point of praise that I have for it is The Evil Within 1, it would throw you almost into different genres depending on the environment that Mm you were in and the story that it was trying to tell. And while I appreciated that and I liked that ambition and I liked that variety, I felt like the quality of the thing it was throwing me in changed wildly. Where I absolutely adored some parts of that game and hated others, The Evil Within 2... Over, like, I'm pretty much enjoying almost everything. Yeah, I cool. think it's like in, ter- in terms of quality of the things that it's asking you to do, all of those things are executed on like at a reasonably equal degree. Yeah, because it doesn't
1: necessarily just throw you from Outlast to mm. Resident Evil 4, right? Necessarily. Like, everything blends together way more seamlessly right now, which is very nice,
0: totally. Uh, so Brad, you, you're kind of in this open environment right mm-hmm. now, you're going and you're doing stuff. Are you finding that stuff rewarding? Are you liking yeah, going after I am,
1: it? Yeah, I am having fun going through, especially because. It's a. I think it's an interesting area because there's like a, a business front and there's a residential area. Mm-hmm. Like I'm particularly enjoying going to the residential area because the game rewards you for exploring. Mm-hmm. Like you get like story tidbits or something like that. Like I did have some weird moments where something came at me that I didn't necessarily expect by yeah. exploring some random house somewhere. Yeah.
0: Um, and that ex- exploration, I think Kyle, you'll appreciate this, is especially later on the way that that optional stuff, those side missions, what they reveal about the story actually feels really important. It's not always just an isolated incident, Mm -hmm. an isolated side story. It ties back into the main narrative in a pretty cool way um, or gives you more insight into a certain situation. And Kyle, your experience with The Evil Within and will be with The Evil Within too, is you're going to be playing it in one sitting. Hanging out on the couch. With Michael playing, Yeah, yeah. Uh, Observing it. Yeah, so you, this is... A thing with you, not just with Evil Within, but with Resident Evil and other things where you you sit down and you play through these games with Michael Huber. Um, What's that experience like? Do do you ever, as you're going through them, do you ever wish that you were playing it by yourself? Like, you put yourself through this again and again. Why do you do it?
2: Ben, I think this has been ingrained in me for a long time. My memories of, like, watching Mario Brothers are watching it. Sitting mm-hmm. on the couch watching someone else play. Like, watching my friend with the N64 play through the through Ocarina and Majora's Mask uh, and Banjo-Kazooie. Just, like, I've, for most of my life, watched other people play. So, like, mm-hmm. Twitch isn't even unnatural to me. Uh, so, yeah. I loved hanging out with a friend playing a game. Yeah. Th- that is the best. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's... a a lack of like the frustration and and tension when someone else is playing it for you, but you still get to observe everything you get to say, can you go over there and check that thing out? There's still some interactivity with it. Uh, And so, yeah, you know, uh, the frustrations I have with horror games, the reasons that I'll never play them are kind of evaporated when I'm just hanging on the couch and someone else is playing them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about specifically Michael Huber being your pilot because he's somebody that usually when you're playing Mm -hmm. these games he's already played through them and this is a genre that he's super well versed in so where he's kind of a lot of times flying through these situations do you think that that makes for a better experience or makes it where like you won't be frustrated by things that you would be frustrated if you play them by yourself?
2: Yeah, and it's not just his confidence and his ability, but it's also his joy. Uh, yeah. He
0: does love parts of <laughs> it. It's
2: pure joy and from And so, all so yeah, that, yeah, it's not always flying through it. He'll point out details that he appreciates in particular. He'll read out the letters and notes that are left around. Sure. He loves the lore. He'll point out the lore things. And so, yeah. Uh, having someone who is enjoying this thing makes you enjoy it more.
0: Mm-hmm. Always. Does, does that joy come in the scary moments as well, where something spooky's happening happening? He's like, this is, this is so awesome. He'll, he won't even prep you like that. He knows when
2: something scary is about to happen. And so he won't prep you on mm-hmm. it because he wants your reaction on such a thing. I see.
0: And, but you can see the joy that he's feeling waiting for you to react to that thing. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, the Evil Within 2 is a game, and I want to get your opinion on this, where the upgrades that you're getting are things that I think would be, that wouldn't even be a thought in other games, where you are reducing the sway of your weapon while aiming, you're reducing the kickback of your weapon when you're firing. Yeah. Um, do you think that we, in all honesty, we kind of talked about this a little bit before the show, but I'm still asking the question. Uh do you think that that's, that's okay, that that should be there by default and just makes the game frustrating until you mm, get those things? Or do you think I don't it's think right? it's
1: frustrating because I don't have them right now. I've chosen to upgrade other things, but I do like that you can reduce the swing and everything like that.
3: Mm.
1: Uh, I guess because I guess we're kind of used to games and we're okay with games being like that. Maybe if you're a Call of Duty player or some, a guy who plays FPS only and you're playing a game and you're shooting and they're swaying, you're like, yeah. what is this?
2: Why is this happening right now? I bet that would be much more frustrating with mouse and keyboard.
0: Hmm. Possibly. Having this way.
1: I mean, I'd have even more control, though, if I, I was really, on a mouse and keyboard aiming. I
0: actually would really like to, to play with mouse and keyboard and see how it feels. Yeah.
2: Because um, you want to just be able to point at it. Yeah, I think with analog sticks, you're used to some, like, guessing and some readjustments. Perhaps. Yeah. But, like, mouse is like, I click over, I point over and click on it.
0: I've actually had a little bit of trouble uh, finding the right sensitivity for me with you mm-hmm. Within, where I've... Turned it up pretty dramatically, and it still feels a little selfish. Maybe by design. uh, Maybe I just need to turn it up even higher. We'll see. Um, But what I want to say about upgrades is I actually like it. I can see that argument that it should be there by default. But to me, the upgrades that I like when I really get invested and care about my character and want to go hunt things out is when I feel like I really need something. I hate it in games, and this happens to me a lot, where I will get an upgrade for something, and because I just don't need it, because I'm just doing fine, mm-hmm. I forget that you're I like, have whatever. It. And then you open up your menu and you're like, oh yeah, I should probably try that out. Yeah, I love. And this happened to me with Evil N when I got more health, and it's like, oh my god, thank you. You notice upgrades a, yeah, great, yeah, a right. lot more you, in this game. You just you notice them, you feel them. Mm-hmm. When I got that extra stamina, I was like, I was running out of stamina so much. This feels like a whole new game now. Thank you. Um, and so if if you want to make it feel a little janky up front for me to get invested like that and to care i'm all for it like the weapon sway
1: isn't even that bad to me no it's, it's manageable not. i agree it's not outrageous or anything like that where yeah. i feel like it's mandatory i don't know if i'll necessarily even get it in the game what i'm playing through right now
2: doesn't the game have like diazepam can't you like take pills that make you aim better uh, no, no, I
0: don't oh, okay. think I don't think there's any pills. It does, you have, can take. it
1: does have like an auto-aim kind of thing Or a, you yeah, so when it, you
0: start the game it asks you if you want to have auto-aim. On. It recommends oh, okay. you don't use it though right. Cool
1: craters intent. Okay.
0: Yep. Uh Oh Something else that I love and god bless you evil within for doing this so you can uh, You'll find materials out in the world you find uh, like herbs and you'll find gunpowder and you can use that to craft stuff to craft uh, syringes which you use to heal yourself mm. to craft bullets yada 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 um, you can craft it anytime you want if you just open up the menu you open up your radial menu where you select all your weapons right there is a crafting thing you can craft however you can also craft at benches uh, in safe houses that you have to physically travel to to get to uh, which also has coffee that you can drink to restore oh, I health love the coffee mechanic. Um, <laughs> you can go into a mirror and upgrade your character if you upgraded a bench it is dramatically cheaper than if you upgrade from mm-hmm. the menu. And I think that is so, so That's smart. a good idea, yeah. yeah it's pretty fun. Um, and I I've, I actually didn't realize that that was the case until oh. later. Oh, no. And so I oh, I've no. spent a lot of resources that I should <laughs> have. But I did eventually pick up on that. And uh, having just that extra layer of choice, I think, really adds so much to the tension. Like, there was a boss fight that I was in that I had died a couple of times, too. And I was like, I'm going to spend all my gunpowder to get more sniper ammo because the sniper's been really good against him. And just, like... Feeling like you're applying that level of strategy is is super, super good. Um, And the part of the game that I'm in now, Chapter 12, I would say the last three chapters have been some of my favorite chapters. Excellent. So it's really good. Yeah. Um,
1: Really enjoying it.
0: Yeah, I'm really enjoying it too. I think it's great. Uh, I want more of it. Yeah. I will say, this is just a personal preference, and I want to get your take on it, Brad. And I don't know how much footage you've seen of the Evil Within 2, Kyle. So Evil Within 2 is a... Is a much more saturated game than Leave Within 1. The colors are a lot fuller. There are a lot more colors in general. Cool. Um, and I think in some instances it plays to the game advan- game's advantage. Uh, there's this artist that is killing people and his like displays of blood and viscera and body parts. It looks really, really good. But when I'm going through the overworld, it's not... It just kind of looks like a small town. It's not as scary. Whereas I think in The Evil Within 1, it kind of being more desaturated, it kind of being a little bit grungier, a little bit grimier, mm-hmm. was more... It was scarier to me. Like, the places that I were was in, on average, in The Evil Within 1, was a little bit more uh, frightening to me. Not sure. a big complaint, but a complaint.
1: Yeah. Uh, I actually like... Some of the evil one, evil with environments, bug me. Like which particularly, ones? like the sewer esque environments, like the like the weird warehouse things. I don't, True. I'm not a fan of those in games at all. Okay. So so far for me, I've been like, yes. Okay. Thank so, you.
0: So you think the environments that you've experienced so far yeah, are more interesting? Granted, it hasn't average. been
1: that many, but I'm okay. cool with them so far.
0: Cool. Uh, all right. Let's move on to our next game, which is completely different from the Evil in Two, and and something that. I have no experience with you're gonna I'm, we're, I'm relying on you Kyle Boswell. okay here we go Hob
2: yeah Hob's a, Hob's a funny game because it was one that I like I saw a trailer of and was interested in but uh, in Slack Bloodworth says this looks like a Kyle game Kyle are you interested in this one and I already was but there's something about Hob and this type of game that says this is a Kyle type of game and playing it it is what, it's weird it is a Kyle type of game what does it mean to be a Kyle type of game in this particular case, it just does so many things that I like and some very particular things that just set me off, that light me up, uh, that I just I love seeing in a game. Uh, so it is top-down. It's a top-down game, uh, mostly, for the most part. No, I shouldn't say top-down. I should say locked camera, I guess. Okay. Uh, in that sometimes it moves with you like like, a, like an old Legend of Zelda, top-down Legend of Zelda, but sometimes it's like fixed like Devil May Cry. Um, you never have any control over it. Uh, it's from Runic Games, who I had to double check on this. Only made Torchlight and Torchlight Two. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, random loot games, and this is very different. It's very different from the. I mean, those are basically Diablo games. Torchlight, yeah, yeah, absolutely. They're, they're almost like just you know, you can just call it a Diablo game, and everybody gets what you're talking about. This is very, very different. It's more like, um, it's like an eco. It's like a, a, oh. a, a rhyme, you know, in, in the way that it's structured. Uh, you're just kind of exploring. You, no dialogue. Uh, you it, One big difference is that, I guess, like Devil May Cry, you upgrade combos. You upgrade your abilities. You can, like, I unlocked a stinger using the, uh, currency I got from killing enemies. Do you and actually so get still the stinger? Uh, you get, like, a charge attack where you, okay. you, 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 like... Oh, okay. You just charge with your lance, your sword. Um, but, all right, that's all kind of regular stuff. You know what I mean? What I love are big environments that interlock with each other, the, the, the surprise of, oh, I'm here now, but also the way that these environments shift and interlock and just like perfectly just like I'm flipping a switch that makes this tower rise out of something unexpected and just just transformers. Just transformers in the environment. It's just sometimes so cool. Nice. Uh, And the idea of just like climbing up a well and then suddenly I'm back out here. I'm back out in this place. That's always a fun feeling. And then just like towers rise and I've like fixed something and now everything that was like exploding with lightning is now calm and cool and I can move on to the next area which is interlocked with where started right that kind of thing i love totally and i just i love going through that and so i like that i, I shouldn't have said devil may cry and its combos and things because it's very simplified there is mm-hmm. one attack button that but you you're press.
1: just saying like upgrading
2: yeah and yeah. It, yeah yeah so there is a weird i didn't wouldn't expect it to have an upgrade structure and it totally does there are, you can upgrade your weapon by finding pieces exploration is heavily encouraged uh, the only way to upgrade your weapon is to find chunks of sword, or chunks of hearts, or chunks of blue super meter out in
0: the wild. Cool. Uh, yeah. So the the real joy it feels like is is seeing how this world will surprise you, and and what it, how it's going to kind of plan your expectations of what you expect from this environment, and then how you you actually through your actions change this thing. Yeah. Uh, is there? Is there a story to this Transformer Tower? Is there a story to the character that you're playing as, or is it just sort of, boom, you're in this world, it's mysterious?
2: Yeah, uh, I've not finished it, Ben. Uh, that's not been made apparent, but okay. it
0: all seems
2: to have a purpose. Like Eco. Yeah, You are right on that. <laughs> exactly, yeah, 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 like Eco. It, it, it's, it's nothing, like, jarring. There's no, mm-hmm. like, floating platforms and question mark boxes out in the right. nowhere, you know what I mean? <laughs> right, it's, right, right. It it seems like a coherent world, which is cool, and yeah, there's a, there's some active story things that happen. Something it's not there, backstory, yeah. but like things that are like you're picking up clues upon, and uh, it's cool. It's 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 really cool in how it delivers that. Uh, I was thinking, Ben, when you're talking about us championing uh, uh, Star Wars or or Lord of the Rings, right? Uh, this game runs very poorly Ooh. on PS4 Pro. Very wow. very bad. Ooh. Uh they s- expected. Sections what? where it's stuttering so hard for no apparent what reason. What platforms is it on? Uh it is on PC and PS4. Oh. They actually they sent us a PC code. This is this is on me. So they were like Probably they sent play us this a version. PC code and then I said, "No thanks." And bought it on PS4. <laughs> <laughs> <Sure>. okay. <laughs>
1: That's okay. Play where you want to play. Yeah,
2: yeah. But uh I want to I want to make I want to make that known. If you're looking into this game right now, prior to any patches, it runs very, very
0: poorly. Interesting. Expect yeah. some bumps. So what, what's funny about this is if that had completely ruined this game, I feel like that's what, have, what you would have opened with. Yeah. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but it sounds like you love it. Oh, yeah. It also runs today. I mean, there's yeah. games
1: I love that are just like that. Yeah, I mean Souls games, the notorious. Last yeah, the Last sure. Guardian. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's some
0: chugging. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, not that that's an excuse, but it seems Correct. like, re- re- in spite of that, you're still having a really good time. Yeah. yeah. Um, caves. You know, I love caves. How How long have you put into it? How long? I think it was. I think I'm like three hours in. I think I'm okay. like three to ha- three hours in. Do you, Do you feel like you're kind of getting close to the end? Is that hard to gauge? It's not hard to gauge because,
2: you know, you check your menu and it's like this is how many things. you oh, okay. yeah. things yeah, like yeah. that. So I think three hours in, I'm thirty percent through, or, or less even. Hmm. Um, how much is it? Fifteen dollars. Kyle, I gotta say, no, sorry, nineteen ninety nine. I'm, I'm
1: into this game. This sounds really cool. Yeah, it's
2: a really cool game, and I, you know what? I'm proud of I'm proud of Runic for like going in a completely different direction. Yeah, yeah like absolutely. this is a very very different game from Torchlight, and it's just it's actually really interesting. Great.
0: It's it's weird what things become new examples, but like, Guerrilla Games. Yeah. Like, hey. And yeah. direction.
2: Yeah, Good it's honest. exactly that. Yeah, and it just kind of feels like that kind of game. Like, Always exciting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, no, but what you said, it like f- them putting so much thought into the world. These are not just screens that you're going through to beat up a few enemies. Like you actually feel like you're having a tangible effect on it. I yeah. I love that. That's yeah. the high that I live for in games. I love it. I love it. I love it. And I. I'm gonna buy this game. I really mean to buy this game. I don't know when I'm gonna play it. think I'm gonna play it. But I'm gonna I'm gonna buy this game. That sounds very very cool. It's a fun game. It's a really cool game. You know what else is a really cool game? Uh, that we've never talked about before on this podcast. I can't believe that we've never talked about this game. It's funny because we all love it so much and we never bring it up. Yakuza Zero. Yeah. Wait. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Yeah. Uh, I can't
2: believe you never talk about it. I know. Like we any never. I know. Game. We don't.
0: It's like we all, we all privately get together and freak out about Yakuza and we yeah. never share that with our audience. It's yeah. disgusting. I'm glad it's finally happening. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad I got to be on this. This is a momentous I know. episode. You, you get to be on. For like, a second, this, I was wait.
1: like, wait, have they never really talked about this? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I haven't been on this show in a while. I don't know.
0: Uh. Bradley Ellis, you finished Yakuza 0. Yeah. And I think I think I've said this before. I'm late to the party I, on it. I I keep bringing this up cuz it I I reviewed Yakuza 0. Yakuza 0 is a long game. Yeah. Made even longer by like how much you want to get involved in all of the the side stuff of which there's a lot. And I remember reviewing it during Christmas break and like it eating up a lot of Christmas break. It was a great game, I didn't mind, but it ended up a lot of time. Brad walks up to me. He's like, "I'm going to play Yakuza 0 and then we, you know, tasted it a little bit during Easy Living." Three days later, Brad's like, I finished Yakuza Zero. <laughs> yeah. What? Yeah. Was, it-
1: oh, man. It had been a long time since I've done a huge gaming session. Yeah. Years. right? Uh-huh. I was like, now is the time for me to do a huge gaming session. I don't actually, I don't know if I it's been years because I did a lot with Zelda. But right place, right time for me to play that game. Mm-hmm. I've been waiting for because sp- I just finished the retro and then I played that game right after. I was like, I need to cool off. Right from Souls, I love them, but I need a break. What better way to go to the mean streets of Japan? Yeah, but and it punch some like, dudes.
0: It sounds like <laughs> not only did it is it something that you could sink your head into, but that you, that you loved it. Yes, I did. So obviously, Huber and I have have spent a lot of time talking about Yakuza, but Brad, I want your take on it. What stood out to you? What did you love the most? Characters.
1: Okay. I think the characters are the biggest strength of that game. Okay. How they're all awesome and interesting characters even like some of the side characters like all the bosses and everything like that yeah really loved all of them
0: okay uh what is it about those side characters the main characters what what do you think makes the characters special in yakuza 0 oh man i don't know
1: because i if i knew that i would be working for game developers and making great characters all the sure, time sure sure you just, cared about them yes i did i thought uh Majima and kazuma were like completely different opposite characters uh-huh. going through their own stories like their their story arcs were interesting to me something i could get behind
3: uh-huh. kind
1: of dealing with the bad situation the best they can
3: uh-huh. just
1: being badass yakuza's about it right <laughs> like like not being afraid to just be like we're fighting right now right like well, i was like yes let's just fight right now this is awesome yep and it, the fights are so fun. Yeah. Especially with all the different styles you could pick from. Mm-hmm. Like, you gravitate towards, or I did at least to a couple. Like, spe- uh, especially Majima's uh, Slugger. slugger yeah. yeah, it seemed OP as hell. It so, I, I was using that thing the whole game. But yeah. you're using a baseball bat and hitting people with it, so it's fun.
2: That's
0: the fighting style? It's yeah. like he pulls out a he bat? He has a bat, and yeah. That's great. Okay.
1: Like, doing nunchuck stuff with it.
0: Great. I think something that, that speaks to the quality of, of not just Yakuza 0. I mean, all the Yakuza games are very good at doing this. But the way that you get the styles. Like, there's a really elaborate storyline yeah, involved teaches you how to do with it. you getting these new gameplay mechanics. Like, the characters that you meet. Because it, this is a game that gives meaning to stuff. It, it's not just like, okay... Now you have the beast style. It's like, no, I went through that sixth story of getting the beast style. Now I can use it. Now it's way more exciting because of how you package it. I
1: actually it. like that a lot of the characters like Majima and Cosmo just like don't. Mm-hmm. When like these people that teach you new styles, like they don't want anything to do with that at first. Yeah. They're just kind of like, leave me alone. I don't want to do any of this. And they just right. kind of get roped into everything.
0: Yeah. There are a lot of games where you interact with super weird people, but because it's a video game, you don't go Hey, you're weird. Leave me alone. And mm-hmm. so I do appreciate yes. these characters, <laughs> like them thinking about. Hey, wait, if there was this guy gyrating in front of me, how like how would yeah. they actually? Kyle, there's like to an that?
1: old man that's just wearing like a diaper or something, yeah. just dancing at like random points in the game. Yeah. And every- your characters are just like, what? What is this kind of going on right now?
0: Uh, you gotta you- call it out. Yeah. You gotta call it out. Just call it
1: out. <sighs> the game does humor really well. well I feel like the it's oh, so. like the. That game is a master of tone somehow, like transitioning from really serious, yeah, really serious moments to comedic moments that don't feel out of place sometimes.
0: Mm. Uh, Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think part of the reason why it changes in tone so well is I feel like I've become more aware and get more annoyed by when I'm like, oh, this is the comedic relief part. Mm -hmm. Like like you could see people writing a script and they're like we've been serious for a while we've got to throw in a joke and it's just they don't put any care to to how they're crafting it what I like about yakuza is it will swing wildly but when it's got a vibe going on it'll just ride that vibe it's not it's not it's thinking more about the story it's telling and the vibe that is present within that story than being like, oh, we should tell a joke here. Mm-hmm. Like if it's serious, it will go all in on that seriousness. If it's telling a joke, it will go all in on that. And it's okay. If it, there's a sharp division between the two, I yeah. super respect. Yeah.
1: Even like serious moments, they can handle somewhat with comic uh, com- comedy, especially like Majima and the club. Yeah. At the beginning of the game, mm-hmm. when you first learn about Majima, there's some guy going nuts in the club. Totally. A total jerk and Majima kind of like breaks the ice perfectly. Oh, Man, Kyle, I wish you'd play these games. Kyle, you Just, the, Just game. tell me
2: how
0: you break the ice perfectly. I,
1: I can't even explain it. It's the writing okay. and the way the voice actor delivers everything that feels so perfect and natural.
0: Huh. I, the the Majima. If, if we're doing cutscene of the year, yeah. I really believe in my heart of hearts that I would pick the. We could do the, it. Introducing Majima as the cutscene of the year.
2: I love introducing characters. Yes. Yeah.
0: This is this is this is how you get started as Majima. So you you know it's made very obvious that Majima. Can beat the shit out of anybody like he's a strong dude he's got he's got a criminal past okay yeah. he's running this cabaret club where he needs to respect the customer no matter how wrong they are okay there is a wildly belligerent and inappropriate customer and how majima deals with this customer while remaining stylish polite and customer oriented is absolutely amazing Wow! how he deals with it does not take the easy yakuza way out but Mm. how he handles this character (sighs) is so wildly entertaining and fun to watch play on screen and he gets you need to see it he gets everyone
1: he gets the guy to pick up everyone's tab at the end somehow he like swindles this guy into this right and the guy feels bad for being a jerk somehow Yes, and he doesn't have to fight him at all
2: it's it's, it's crazy. It's
0: amazing. You should see it. No,
2: I mean, that, that's the way to introduce a character. Yes. Make that character different from any character you've ever seen
1: and, before. Like, yeah. I had no idea what Majima was like at all. Right. I just, like, oh, this is a dude with an eye patch. Right. And you a ponytail. A that's all I know. And,
0: yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, no, Kyle, I I, I I hate it when people are like, oh, I think you would like this game. Why haven't you played this game? you got to play this game. I realize <laughs> that. Kyle that can, hates that the most. I, I realize mm-hmm. that that can create a natural resistance, but I just. I really feel strongly about it, and if you get some time, I think you should maybe consider trying. Yakuza Zero. So far, I think that's my December
2: game. When okay. we talk about uh, filling in the blanks before Godies. Okay. Tell you what, I got I a, think, I, think I got a hard right copy.
1: Right. Okay, I got you. Yeah, yeah. Hard physical copy. I also copy. have a hard copy. Hard physical copy. <laughs> like you don't mean hard, you don't mean to beat it, copy. but I'm just like I would I like to see, see what, see what you think about this game. Yeah.
0: yeah. Also, yeah. Really oh, uh, Brad, uh, going back to talking about the game itself, uh, something that Yakuza Zero does that other Yakuza games don't do that I thought was interesting and I want to get your take on it is that the some of the shopkeepers and things like that that you're interacting with have their own stories that you can get involved yeah. in. Uh, what did you think about how that was handled? Did you think those were interesting stories? Did you want to engage with them?
1: Uh, when I was playing this game, I mm-hmm. went, this game is way too big for me to do everything right now. Especially okay. when I have so many other Yakuza games to catch up on. Yeah. So I just kind of did a little tastes of everything. Okay. I didn't re- necessarily get... The most in-depth with necessarily something, because there's so much in that game. Sure.
0: Because you could spend 100 hours in that game. You could. Easily. You could. Uh, but what I'm happy to say is if you crit Path Yakuza 0, you'll have a great time. I did, mm-hmm. and if I had you, a great time. Okay. If you, I mean, I, I have not I've not 100% in Yakuza 0, not even remotely close, but I can say with confidence, for the most part, if you just do a little bit of sampling of everything... You'll have a great time. Yeah. If you engage in all those stories, I think you'll have a great time. Yeah. <laughs>
1: like Kyle, let me tell you there's one There's one side quest I did about some kid who bu- he waits in line to buy a video game.
0: Oh, don't. All right. Okay. Uh, don't. All right.
1: He set it up. Don't. That's that's all you need to oh. know. great. You're in. Yeah. You're in.
0: Uh, okay. Yakuza's is here to play it. Play it. Won't be the last it's time. It's really good.
1: Like I've spent so many years of Michael Huber just praising these games to me since, since the first school. one, mm-hmm. since the first one came yeah. out, and I was like, yeah, yeah, "Yeah, I'll get to it eventually." You know, Huber freaking out about a game. What's what else is new? Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> he was right, but
1: he was right. <laughs> ben and Huber are right on this. This is a this game's the real deal.
0: Yeah, it is the real deal. You know what's the realest deal? Divinity Original Sin Two. D- dude, this Div-
1: sounds like the realest deal there it possibly is.
0: The is. Um, so I'm. I am moving painfully slow through Divinity, and like it's, it's tough because the moments that I have been able to give to Divinity Original Sin 2, I've just been soaking up and loving, and I want to get that review out, but I also don't want to rush it because this is not a game you rush. This is a game that you take in and savor, and it's, there's so much that I can say about it. Um, it's, it is so easy to sink in to hyperbole with Divinity Original Sin 2, but you also don't need to. Uh, this is a game that was made by a small team. I am I am not only blown away by the sheer mechanical depth of it, but how how every element of it is so good. I am enjoying the world that I'm exploring. They do an excellent job of making the world seem mysterious and interesting. Choice is not just something that they're putting on the back of the boss and saying your consequences matter. Like. Every interaction that you're having, uh, you can do something great. And I'm going to say some early examples of the game to kind of illustrate my point. Um, so, there was this cave that I thought I had to get through to get to my story objective. Totally didn't. Uh, there were these flaming slugs, and uh, I was fighting them and I was losing. Divinity Original Sin Two. To a bunch of slugs. A Bunch of fire slugs. They're flame slugs. I know. I'm not okay. saying. All right. I'm not saying I'm good at Divinity Original Sin yeah. Two, uh, but I. I I've bounced around between difficulty <laughs> modes. Um, and I, I actually think it's a legitimately hard game. Yeah. I've played mostly on classic, uh, and I think I think it is very, very challenging. And I was I was struggling and I was thinking about it and I'd forgotten that one of my party members could talk to animals. Cool. Forgot about that. Great. And so I start talking to these slugs. And I realized that these slugs aren't just enemies here. They're mm-hmm. not just things for me to fight, to kill, to loot, to move on. Mm-hmm. They a curse was befell them. They have an entire storyline. They're actually named characters. They weren't just in this cave. I, by talking to them, by using this skill that my party member had, I got swept into a completely different side story. I'm not there a was a slown. squirrel that I ran into mm-hmm. that told me what was going on, contextualized why the scene was happening and what he saw. Yeah. And he actually, like, even though he's speaking like a human, he still kind of speaks like a squirrel, the way that they craft his dialogue to kind of make him seem a little bit anxious and hurried. It's so well done. We were talking about the evil within dialogue, the the dialogue in Divinity 2, and, like, everybody's got a voice, and all the voices are good. Everybody sounds distinct. And, like, you go in a town, and you're like, How? like, when I play RPGs, I often start out optimistically, where I go, I'm going to talk to everybody, and then I realize that most of like, what matter. people have to say doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody, like almost everybody, has something interesting to say. It's not just like, I'm a part of this town, I'm a part of this town for this reason, this is what I can do. Like the blacksmith that you meet in Fort Joy, which is a very early area, like you talk to her and she can remove this collar from you, but the reason that she can remove it is because she has this belief, which is tied into this arena, which you can go and fight in and you can prove yourself as like this chosen one. And you don't have to do that. If you want to get these collars off, if you want to escape this place, there's like five other ways that you can do that. And I think what happens is when people hear about this, when they hear about the amount of options that you have, they get paralyzed and they go, I'm worried that I'm going to start this game and it's going to be overwhelming and I'm not going to know what to do. And I understand that and I sympathize with that. And I think a lot of games that are very complex make you feel like an idiot all the time. But what I like about Divinity Original Sin 2 is even when I'm failing, it's interesting. Um, because it just is leading to something else. I feel like there are no dead ends. It feels like I'm poking at this thing, but I can clearly see in front of me there are three different paths to go. So if that doesn't work out, I have something else to do. I always have something within reach. I'm not hitting this brick wall. And like the fights, the fights are so, so, so hard because you can't... Like, even early on, even at the very beginning of the game, you don't run up to people and just whack them with their sword and win. Uh, because everybody can poison you and uh, cast fire on you. But these these fire spells, like if somebody throws fireball at you, it has an area of an effect, so you got to spread out your party members. It also sets the ground on fire, so if you run through it to get to somebody, uh, you have to worry about the fire. And so, like... It's the kind of game where I will go through a battle, I'll lose, I'll take a break. As I'm taking that break, I'm thinking about it, and I'll think of a new strategy. Mm -hmm. And I'll apply that new strategy, and then I'll succeed. This is not a game where you can, like, grind your way through it, in my experience so far. You can't just... Uh, buy a lot of equipment, because equipment so far that I've run into with the skills that I have in my party is extremely expensive. Like, I'll go to a shopkeeper. They've got everything that I want. Like, let's say they have 10 things I want. I might have enough to buy two of those things. And that's me looting everything, trying to get as much gold as possible, trying to do a lot of the side quests. Like, it's a very, very... I've heard that there are exploits to get, like, infinite gold, but I'm not doing that. I'm just playing the game. And so... Hubert talks about economy and why he cares so much about economy, and I think the point that he's trying to make is he wants to feel like what he's doing has an immediate and tangible effect on the world, that like spending money is not just like an inevitability, it's actually a choice that has consequence. That is true in Divinity and Original Sin too and all other aspects of it are true. And it's, it's a game with a lot, if, especially if you're not familiar with computer role-playing games, it, it might overwhelm you. It might seem a little bit quirky at first. It might be a lot to take in. But I think this game is so good that it's worth it. It's worth overcoming the hurdles. It's worth checking your reservations at the door and giving it a chance because like, it is one of, if not the most fulfilling game that I've played this year. Like, It is incredible. And like, when I do eventually review it, it is going to review well unless something dramatically changes. But, like, I really implore you guys, whether it's on PC or console or whatever it is, to give it a shot. Um, it's fantastic. I'm um, playing on easy. That's fine. That's fine. And you yeah, know what's yeah. great? You can play on easy, you can switch, you can switch at any time. They don't care. They don't care. Yeah. It's not about that. Yeah. Just play the game. It's just play the game. Just play the game. And that. the thing is, like, uh, Explorer, I've definitely played a little bit on Explorer, which is the easiest mode. Uh, It is dramatically easier, but it's still like, it's still not just run up and hit dudes. Like, you're still having to make Mm -hmm. some semblance of an interesting choice. Yeah. Um, It's super, super, Hmm. super good. And like, I said this last time when I talked about Divinity Original Sin 2, but it's still blowing me away. And I was worried that it would just be like, maybe they're just going to do this in the first area. You can completely create your own custom character, right? Or you can create like a character that actually already exists in the world. So I am the beast. I am the terror of the seas. I am this dwarf pirate, right? Yeah. So many conversations I've got into, especially with dwarves, that are like, I know you. And it feels so cool. That's
2: like, it's like super important. Yes. If you look at writing, like that's good. Yes. It's good for characters that have previous relationships.
0: It's super good. Yeah. And and different people will have different responses to me yeah. depending on what they've heard and what culture they come from. It's good. That's what makes it feel like a world. Yeah. Um. And I, everybody's already talked about this, but I don't know if you guys have heard it on this podcast or something else. But uh, you can be an undead character. So you can be like an undead human. An I undead did not know wolf. that. undead dwarf or whatever um and what's really cool about being an undead is like you don't just look cool it actually has very dramatic consequences for how you play it completely changed i would argue that completely changes how you play Mm a game you can't heal from regular healing potions you heal from poison Mm -hmm. and so that's a huge benefit to you a lot of times because a lot of enemies will use poison and you can just be like haha this doesn't hurt me this heals me that's really good um but when you go into town people will attack you on site because you're an undead sure they won't service you because you're an undead yeah so what you can do is you can f- literally find faces like flesh faces and apply them to yourself Whoa. and change the way you look <laughs> so my skeleton mage right now <laughs> looks like a like a bearded human
3: <laughs> that's really awesome. funny that's, that's super awesome. cool yeah
0: it's really cool um I hope that Divinity Original Sin two review comes out sooner rather than later. But just please, know, audience that I, I think it is fantastic. I think you should play it. It has my full recommendation right now. Um, and yeah, yeah, this
1: sounds insane.
0: It's insane. I I, I was saying this to the the patron D and D group where there have been a lot of good this this sort of like grassroots resurgence of this style of computer role playing game where you've had. Like Wasteland 2, you've got Pillars of Eternity, you've got all these different games, without and you had Divinity: Original Sin. To me, in my opinion, this is absolutely at the top of that heap. Um, and yeah, I I love it, and it's it's hard, man, because there have been fights like even that arena fight in Fort Joy. It took me a while to get through. I had to. I was like, well, you know, I probably have enough party members, and I went unprepared, and, and it's just like. You will make decisions that you don't realize at the time are super, super stupid. But it is a game where I feel like I am constantly learning, and that active learning is so like how I'm playing now versus when I how I played when I started it is just entirely different. And that's been really cool to see unfold. Nice. All right. That's enough gushing about Divinity. Yeah. I promised
1: you 15 hours. Yeah. You promised 15 hours? Yeah.
0: In this year, the year 2017. Yeah. 2017?
1: Okay. It's my, when we're on break, kind of. Our December game. We have break, yeah, December game, yeah.
0: yeah. Kyle, this is not a slight against you. This yeah. is just a praise for Brad. Brad is just like, he he plays a lot of games, and when he says he's going to play something, he just does it. That's great. It's because I ignore a
1: lot of other games, sure. too. Yeah. I'm like, nah. Sure.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm usually a man of my word on that front and playing You are. Games, you're,
0: so. you're a man, man of, of my your word. word. Uh... Kyle, yep. I've played a little bit of this. You've played a lot more of it. You're going to be the the one to speak on this. Sure. Golf Story.
2: Golf Story is a Switch game. Uh, it's an RPG in which you're a golfer. Okay. I've been waiting for a moment like this since uh, uh, Mario Golf on Game Boy Color.
1: Yeah.
3: Yeah. You're ready.
2: Yes. Just an RPG, a golf-focused RPG. Uh, it's 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 strange. So there, I should have written down this developer. Uh, no previous games published by this developer. Uh, this is their first game. Do you happen to know the name of the developer? No, I just said I wish I looked it up. I can oh, look it up. oh, I'm
0: sorry. No, it's okay. Don't worry about it. Um, I should have been paying more attention. They, uh, they're
2: they Australian, and the game is Australian. The way people speak is Australian. Mm-hmm. Uh, weird, I, sometimes it's funny, and sometimes I just don't get it. For example, the game opens with some guy get, ordering a bunch of food off a food truck and then saying, Sucked in! Really loud. You don't get that. No. I'm just kidding. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> okay. What does that mean? Well played, okay. Brad. What does that mean? Sucked in. Why is it so? Still... And they're just like in really big letters. Um, it's 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 very indie in that uh it's janky. Uh, the last the moment I stopped playing it is because I got stuck behind a sign. And I would have to reload a save and do a bunch of challenges I already did over again.
0: So when you got stuck behind a sign, did you, like, hit a ball behind the sign, and then you went there, and then you couldn't move? I
2: walked behind a sign and then could not walk back the way I came. Okay. It just sucks sometimes, dude. It's just like, all right, uh, game. And, you know, it'll freeze sometimes. You'll just get stuck in things. Oh, no. Yeah, it's just it's that kind of game. Um, But it's cool. It is. It is... I had, so I guess the discussion I'd like to have about this yeah. is, in an RPG, I think you have to care about the success of your character, of the main character. Uh, in this game, I don't very much. The game kind of leans on its humor. It leans on you just wanting to play an RPG where you play golf. Yeah. Uh, I have no attachment to the character, and I probably won't finish the game because I don't care to see if he succeeds. Sure. Um, and so, yeah, I, I mean... And that's kind of, like, where I'm at. The game itself is very fun. Right. The golf mechanics are fun, and it's fun to just uh, walk around this hub world and—not hub world, overworld—and have people say, like, Hey, I bet you can't hit this shot into this thing. And, like, they'll have unique ideas. Like, all right, I have to complete this hole only shooting into sand traps if I go outside of a sand trap, I fail the challenge. Like, those kinds of things are fun to do. Yeah. And uh, just the hit A once for power, hit A a second time for accuracy is still fun. That's like a fun, right? eternal golf mechanic. Uh, and that's what it is. It's very basic in that way. But, yeah, those things are interesting.
0: Uh, you pretty much touched on everything that I'm about to say, uh, and I just want to reinforce that, where my question to you is going to be, is this good just because... It's an idea we want to see more of, and the simple act of hitting a a a is really fun. Yeah, and like, is that okay? Because I've played a little bit of it, and I, I have no interest in golf, but I really like video game golf. There's something very soothing about the rhythm of just trying to get that perfect shot. Like it's it's just it's just enough for me. Yeah, like I'm not playing these games all the time. It's mm-hmm. when I do, it's just enough. When you dunk an eagle. Yes, when you dunk an eagle, when you hit yeah. it. The, 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 this, this game is just enough. And so if you give me just a little bit more, mm-hmm. and you're like, you can choose what challenges you do win. Yeah. You have some control over your progression. Like, That's like, the base part was already enough for me, and so this is all just sprinkles.
2: Yeah. Uh, I always said... Uh, it- the, the job title I would want on an RPG is Scenario Designer. Okay. Uh, and I think the Scenario Designer, on, and I don't think it's a job title that exists anymore, but just like an old RPG, you'll see Scenario Designer. It's like, oh, I right. want that job. Right. Uh, I think that person, whatever, who that person is, I think that is the fun stuff of Golf Story. Mm. There, I love trading quests. In, in Link's Aw- Awakening, yeah. one of my favorite things to do is a trading quest, and Golf Story is full of those. I love that kind of thing. Just okay. like, I want this thing. Can you find it? I'll give you this thing. I love that. Yeah. There's an innate joy to that for me. I don't know why, but I love doing those kinds of things. Question.
0: Yeah. Within this trading quest process, is it yeah. just hunting for those things or is it like, okay, I need to get this thing and therefore I have to do this challenge. Yeah. Okay. That
2: that kind of thing. Cool. And this thing that I just got allows me to do this challenge. Gotcha. Which is like making insanely hard putts on islands. And so it's cool <laughs> like that. Right. Uh, you just ha- happen upon very fun, interesting things. Uh I, the criticism I would make is in an RPG, your story is still important. Absolutely. Even if you're a super fun mechanical game like Golf Story, you still got to care about this character. And so if it's nonstop jokes, if it's nonstop humor, uh, you lose something. You you definitely uh, uh, you you still have to make sure at all points we care about your main character.
0: Do you think you would feel as strongly about this criticism if the humor landed a little bit more squarely with you?
2: Yeah. And maybe like if I got sucked in, <laughs> like maybe if I'm like if I think that's funny on like you said
0: this happens at the very beginning of the
1: game.
2: Yeah. Okay, I don't remember. It's like the but... biggest hit in Australia, probably. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sucked in. Yeah, yeah. And, like I mean, the game is like a huge hit, by the way. It's doing yeah. very well. Uh, yeah. Like Summer Heights High, it's like good. Like Australians, they can be very funny. Uh, so maybe sucked in is hilarious. Maybe you could, somebody's got to explain that to me.
0: I don't want to be unfair to Golf Story, especially having not played through it, and actually really enjoying what I have played, but do you yeah. think Golf Story is, like, potentially a catalyst for a bigger, better golf RPG? Uh, yeah, ben, I feel like it's a catalyst for so many
2: things. Oh. So I think Stardew Valley is a catalyst for Golf Story. I think Star- sure. Stardew Valley is, hey, we can make our own, uh, what's the farming game? Harvest, Harvest Moon. Moon. We can make our own Harvest Moon, and we can do it better. And like the, the golf story is like, yeah, we can do any kind of RPG, can't we? <laughs> and that's why I really do. I think this is a catalyst. I think yeah. people will see how well it's sold and at least they will see the response to it. Yeah, I, I think that like, yeah, golf RPGs, tennis RPGs, uh you know, bakery RPGs. Uh yeah, just skateboarding I th- RPGs.
0: Mm. I think I would be super into a bakery RPG. I yeah. think I don't know, but I think.
2: And that's what I like, and it, and that's what's different about it is that the people you interact with are different from people you'll interact with in an RPG. Everyone yeah. loves golf in this world. That's kind of fun. Yeah. Uh yeah, I, I, it's cool. It's cool.
0: I feel like this in was a, a really way. feel good. Part of Frame Trap, like you can make any RPG. Yeah. Here's yeah. An RPG. You that can did. do it. Mm-hmm. You can do
2: it. Yeah.
0: Go do it. Go
1: do it. Bad, Go do bad, it. Bad on the technical front though. Golf story.
2: Yeah. I mean what's what's strange though, Brad, is the the actual golf mechanics are so solid there.
1: No, no, I meant like the game But wise like watch. the actual
2: like outside of that, the
0: performances yeah. like, come on, dudes. Uh <laughs> come on. Brad, I want you to let me know if this is a feel good or not. I've played maybe maybe an hour of it, and I really liked the hour that I played, but You've played all of it. You've percented A Hat in Time.
1: Oh, it's feel good <laughs> all the way through, dude. All the way through.
0: What is A Hat in Time? So, A Hat <laughs> what in did Time, this come from?
1: it's a Kickstarter game, or was originally.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, they took the mechanics everyone loved from 3D platformers back in the day. Your Mario 64s, your Banjo-Kazooie, little Psychonauts in there, too, Kyle. Mm-hmm. A little of that. They're like, hey, man, why don't we make this for the modern era? Because no, these games don't really exist anymore. Yeah. Nailed it. Nailed, Nailed it. it. I'm not saying it's better than Mario 64 or anything like that, but they did a really great job, or job of translating that into a modern era. It's better
2: than Buck Bumble.
0: Yes, it's better than Buck Bumble. Buck cool. to the buck, to the buck, to the best. Buck to the buck, to the buck. There's that circular saw. That circular saw. <laughs> you tune in to the Trap for the hot takes and the circular saw. So, and the sirens, <laughs> which we haven't gotten yet.
1: Uh, ben, I want to talk about the first area you're at, which is yeah, Mafia Town. Mafia Town. So Mafia Town is your very. Traditional, what you think of a, a 3D platformer level mm-hmm. invokes Mar- or sunshine and all that kind of like a setting or anything like that. You know, yep. you're you're in a wide space, you're collecting a few items. That's your kind of mission thing, like that. Yeah, it's after that world bend that I think the game finds its own identity more.
0: Okay. Uh, one thing that surprised me before I asked the question is is the boss fights because mm-hmm. uh, the boss fights are very non. 3D platformer where it's like you're yes. kinda like, it's like you're 2D. locked into arena where yeah. it's it's more of like an action game kind of But game.
1: it not all of them are like that though.
0: Oh. Well, how does the game find its own identity after that first world? It takes
1: so when you think of the open world, mm-hmm. we're all thinking of the you know, the Super Mario sixty four you're in that big area. Yeah. The next world, which is called Deadbird Studios, kinda adds its own unique twist on it. Um, it's this it's a movie studio where two birds, there's a penguin side and an owl side. They're fighting over movie awards. And they're going to make, each side is going to make their own movie to win that award. Great. So one side wants to make like a Western and the other side kind of wants to make like a Mardi Gras party movie. So the world is split into two halves. Okay. You're doing things on the outside, mm-hmm. which is, one of the levels is a murder mystery. You're thrown on a train, Kyle. Someone's been murdered. You got to find clues. You go through this level finding clues.
2: Wait, am I in the movie?
1: They're making a movie. Yes, you're in the movies.
2: Why am I solving the mystery?
1: Because they all want Hat Kid in it.
2: Oh, okay. But
1: everyone wants you in their movie.
2: But I'm not doing lines. I'm actually you're trying correct. to solve the mystery yeah. as his character.
1: Yeah. So this you're doing you're me, doing Brad. you're doing things that you do in a yeah. 3D platformer. You're collecting stuff. What you're doing? Yeah. They change up the formula a little way to make it feel a little different. What kind
2: of movie is gonna have Hat Kid picking up coins? Right in the middle of the movie.
1: You're not picking up coins, dude.
2: What am I picking up?
1: You're finding clues. (laughs) (laughs) You're finding clues, Kyle. Like, you're going through this train. Yeah. And there's these crows, like, business coats and, like, hats look like detectives. And they're grilling you and asking you questions as you're going through. Mm -hmm. And you have to give them answers. And they start, like, bringing these answers up later on. Cool. And you're collecting evidence. And at the end, you have to figure out who the killer is. Yeah. And I don't know if it changes depending on who who you kill, but I'm not going to spoil what it is. Sure. So, and when you're going through these levels, Kyle, you're collecting points. And these points that you get go to each side. So if you collect, like, 30 points in owl levels, you'll get 30 points on there. But if you collect 100 points in the penguin levels, that'll impact the change at the end.
2: Oh, who wins the award? Who wins
1: the award, and it impacts the story a little like that. Cool. So, like, with the penguins... For example, yeah, you're in a 3D environment, but you're leading a parade while you're doing this. There's these owls behind you playing music, and you gotta like turn off all these things. And if you stop moving, they'll just run into you and hit you off like ledges and stuff like that.
2: Cool. It just so it's like a lava floor rising, but a more creative way of like doing yeah, kind of like
1: that. that yeah, you're you. doing things you're used to doing, but just a little, little tiny twist on that. Yeah, that's cool. And yeah, it's funny like.
0: because where I am at in the game, I never would have. Guess mm-hmm. all this stuff. I just thought that as you continued, it was more wide open spaces. Go collect like, stuff. There
1: is a, a specific example in the third world, Ben, where one of the levels turned into something I completely did not expect that threw me off guard big time. And I was like, "Whoa, what is this? This is so weird. Nice. Like, why is this in this game?" But I'm way into it. How
0: long is it? Had time?
1: Uh, a hundred percent. It took me like ten hours. Wow. Nice. It's dude. not that bad.
0: Okay. Perfect. That's. That's a good bite. That's yeah, a good bite. Yeah, of the game. it's
1: really fun. Really good time. the The worlds are laid out a little different too. Sometimes,
0: mm. uh, and I guess not a super insightful thing to say, but I have to remark at how well I think it controls. Like it just, does feel very precise. Yeah, that's is what nice. I was going to say. Is there's there's a tightness to it? Like as I'm going around corners, as I'm jumping, as I'm doing mm-hmm. the double jump, as I'm doing like the dive mm-hmm. uh, with my character, all of that feels really really good. Like it's fun navigating mm-hmm. these. These spaces, which is so important in a game like that, uh,
1: so. you probably know about this already. But you get different hats, Kyle, yeah. that you wear that give you different certain abilities. Mm-hmm. Now, these hats, for example, there's a sprinting hat where you but, put by it the way,
2: on. Timeout. What do you think this team felt when they saw that Odyssey trailer? They've been working
0: on this game for ages. I, here's what I think. Huh? I think they felt hopeful. Because here's here's what I would say. I think if I, I think yeah. if I was wearing a hat in time, as I would go. This is what we were inspired by. This reinforces yeah. why we're doing this. We love this kind of game. This I seems bet they like clapped. it's continuing that. They I stood would, up and
2: clapped. I would shout and cry into a pillow for really? hours. Yeah, I'd be screaming. You
0: don't you don't think it's like a like you feel like you're on the same team
2: in a way? That's happened before where I'm like I had an idea and then I see that and i was just like, "Oh, cool." I mean, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, like if we think about it that way, right? Kyle, yeah. can we do can we accomplish anything? If if, if if we I, scream and shout into our pillows? No, I mean, think about it. Like, yeah. if, if we say, I want to make a game where you collect monsters, you can just stare at Pokemon and get real sad, mm-hmm. or you can just do it. Like, it's like us saying, like, well, if we're not going to be the best podcast, we shouldn't podcast. Yeah. We're not the best podcast, but that doesn't stop us from having a good time. True.
3: True. Okay.
1: Yeah. All right. So anyway, she's got hats. Oh, okay, yeah. So these hats you get you can buy badges or buttons that you put on your hats that can change the abilities. So, for instance, I had this sprinting hat car. I bought a badge that made my sprinting just... She's now riding a scooter just around town.
0: Cool. Wait, is it like a Razor scooter? Or no, is it like it's an like
1: electric a, scooter? Like a... Uh, yeah. Okay. Like uh What's the word? Like a, a Vespa. Yeah, like that. You're just riding that now. Time
0: out. What do you
2: think this team thought when they saw Mario riding a moped? We did it first! <laughs> That's our idea! All right, time in. That's what I think they were doing.
0: <laughs> uh... This is good because this game is adorable. Yes. Every facet of it is completely adorable. You run into this character, this like little Red Riding Hood character who's got this blonde mustache. Mustache girl. Yes. And so envisioning the cute hat-in-time protagonist riding around on a scooter. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes.
1: Uh, You can also unlock. Like, some of the unlocks are changing the way that your hats or masks look like that, too. You can also change... Ah, uh, the color of your character, like different shaders, stuff like that. So you know when you click fighting games, you go through the shaders. Yeah, yeah. Stuff like that for it, cool. just like nice little touches like that.
0: Yeah, I like that stuff. Listen, I realize there are bad Kickstarter examples. Mm-hmm. I gave twenty dollars telling some story. That's a whole mess. That's but never coming out. That's never coming. Yeah, I'm never getting. It. It's just gone. <laughs> 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 but when. Like, things like Hat Time and Divinity? Yeah, this
1: is a good Kickstarter game. What? This is, like, Kickstarter what? doing right. I got one last question. Sure.
2: Do you get anything for 100%ing it?
1: Uh, You get, uh, yes.
0: Okay. Is it good?
1: Um, I don't want to say what it is.
0: Yeah, don't say it's what it is. It's not, like,
1: a new ending or anything like that, or anything like but that. Just, it's just a little fun thing. So, all
2: right, I need to know if I should 100% it, Yeah, You sunsh- should, because it's fun you to you get do the, the Hawaiian stuff. shirt.
1: It's fun. Is you is get it, something around that, yeah. Okay. I would say 100% the game is fun, though. Sure. I, I enjoyed the act of hundred percenting it, Ben. Okay. Cause I don't know. Did you do any like the time rifts or anything like that?
0: No, I don't think I've done so any time rifts. So there's
1: time rifts, Kyle, that you can get throughout worlds you collect, and it they turn into like the little platforming challenge levels from Sunshine. Well, they're like exactly like that. So mm-hmm. you go through those. There's also a different colored time shift that is uh, like those kind of, but much more advanced and fits the narrative of the world more. And where you get, you can collect photos that help give you context of the world and the characters in it. So you can get a little bit of the story of what's going on and why these characters are here. Nice, dude. Yeah, it's good stuff. So it makes you want to go through it because it's fun doing it.
3: Yeah.
2: You're you like, are I rewarded. wanted
1: to see everything in this game.
2: Yeah, that's cool.
1: But yeah, it's good time. Doesn't drag on.
2: Nice. Yeah. 10 hours for 100%. Yeah. Is like, oh,
1: yeah, it's nice. Yeah, it's a good time. <laughs>
0: Do you think... I don't know if Hat in Time has a Twitter account. Yes, they do. Okay. On the day that Mario Odyssey releases, what do you think the tweet will be? Will it be... Will they say anything? Will it be supportive? Will it be like, hey... All right,
2: Ben, this is an interesting bet, dude. Uh-huh. I'm going to take... I'm going to take no tweet referencing Mario. I think they could do something nice, like celebrating like 3D platformers are
0: back, but I don't think they're going to do that. I'm going to say they're going to do it. Okay. I'm going to say some sort of positive tweet.
1: Yeah, I'm going to choose to believe.
0: I'm going to choose to believe.
2: In re- d- direct reference to Odyssey. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to say they choose to believe,
1: I or I th- choose to believe. I
0: think their heart's in it, man.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm just All saying right. this game's this not kind of a weird uh, Mario 64 sure. or anything like that, though, so keep that in mind. Uh, it's not. And, like, but I like that. It's though. not groundbreaking. Like it's yeah. not going to blow your mind all the time. But it's really fun.
0: I think. I think that was actually something that I got frustrated with with ukulele, and why I had less and less desire to play the ukulele over time is because it. It sort of just felt like it was just trying to do that. Yes. Whereas, like, I haven't seen the crazy stuff that you're describing. But even some of the things I've seen with mm-hmm. half time is it's like, okay, it's not. It's not just that. It's got its own ideas. It's going
1: yeah. It's, own it's got a few of its own database. ideas. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a totally. few technical issues I ran into hmm. the first world of the game. Like my screen was like getting like weird and black on it. Hmm. That was really weird. And there's a couple objects I wish you could like jump off of, but you're just kind of clipping through them. Sure. Uh, the camera's pretty good too. Just a few examples where I was like,
2: mm. uh, loser of that bet has to do a 20 second buck bumble rap. I'm Twenty not taking seconds? It. 20 seconds. One minute. No, one minute. S- 60 seconds. When you're at one minute, it's no longer funny. Uh, like, I'm thinking of, like, the audience. Is so, it? like, 20 okay. seconds is the extent to which they can deal with it.
0: Okay, that's fair. Yeah.
2: Is it an original rap? Original rap about Buck about Bumble. About Buck Bumble? Yeah. Can we crib from the actual Buck yeah. Bumble you can rap? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not taking that. I don't play All right, your betting Brad's games. Out. Brad's
0: out, but I have game enough in. betting in my life I already. It. I love the Buck Bumble rap. Take yeah, it. Yeah. I, I actually love the Buck Bumble rap.
1: You have to wear your Titanfall costume if you do it, too.
0: Uh... This is this
2: we, is uh, well, this will be resolved soon though it'll be resolved on October twenty seventh, like we will know yeah, yeah, for sure yeah. yes, whether they do yes. a tweet. So like, yeah yeah
0: yeah. Is that next? I have no concept of time anymore. Is that next week? Uh, no. One no. day at a time. We, can next, we got time. week after that. Not uh, this Friday. Next Friday. Well, Brad, I've said with the Titanfall costume that it's gonna happen when we play through Dragon's <laughs> right, Dogma. Right. or not Dragon's Dogma. Dragon's Crown. Um, which I I said that because I thought that that would be soon, but I might need to put a. A sooner timeline on it than that, I guess. Buck Bumble Rap. Decisions to make. Uh, moving on. <laughs> Buck Bumble Rap in a Titan course. Yeah. It's pretty good. <laughs> uh, I'm going to talk about something that I talked about last week, and I'm actually uh, not going to say that much on it because you should be seeing a review relatively soon for that, like relatively soon, like super soon, hopefully, of Rapa V3. Um, I said a lot of what I wanted to say about it, uh before but now that i've actually finished it i feel like walking on eggshells because that entire game uh is about the craziness that it unfurls upon you and i i might backpedal on this statement but as of right now the ending to danganronpa v3 might be the most insane ending i've ever seen ever ever of anything like lightning it was... showed up in paris yeah uh I think crazier than that. Ooh. That made me pause, though. Whoa. That made me pause. That's a good okay, poll, it, was, too. it was okay. Let me describe my feelings to you right. with this ending. There's, they they do it. They do this thing, and I'm like, okay, this is just a joke. This is like, there. It's not actually this. the real ending not, is coming. I'm not saying okay. that the ending itself is a joke. Yeah. I actually think the ending is a lot to digest and process. But I just couldn't believe that was the direction they were going Mm -hmm. and then they doubled down on it and then they tripled down on it and then they were like visually playing into it and i was like i cannot believe it and then how it ended like it is insane it is regardless of whether you like it or not uh the thing that i love about Rampa, is it revels in its own shock value but that the shock value never rests on its own like you have these characters uh you have Two characters that i'm thinking of specifically that are just like incredibly vulgar characters the things that they are saying to each other are like hilarious and kind of disgusting but it it's not just there to shock you it does shock you when those lines come out of those characters mouth you're like whoa but you realize in this game about high school kids killing each other that it's just actually playing on you as the player Cause when a murder happens, you're like, of course it's them. Of course it's these people, because you're making assumptions about them. And then the game makes you feel bad about making assumptions about those characters as you dig in more to the story and you learn more about them. And that's really what Dongan Rampa is, is it's a ride, and the game knows that it's a ride. Uh every there's six chapters of that game. Every single chapter, there is there's there's just a bomb where it's like, okay, we're we're flipping over the rule book and changing something in a pretty crazy way. We're, we're changing the way that this process is happening. Every single chapter, there's a big surprise. Um, and it is a world where you have robot bears in giant mechs in a school that has like these crazy labs in it and all of this stuff. And you go, and you're in this class trial, which is kind of Phoenix Wright-ish. And then you're playing a mini game that's sort of reminiscent of Outrun, where you're in a car and you're picking up blocks, and then you're running into the silhouette of a woman because she's the right answer of this question, meant to figure out more of this class trial. That was really hard to follow, but that's what Danganronpa is. And I, I said it last time, uh, but like when you hear the creators speak about this game. They care so much about surprising you, but I what I really love about Danganronpa is I actually feel like they have something to say. Like regardless of how you feel about the ending and how they presented it and what they did to the player, how they talk about created works, how created works affect us, and how fans' relationship to a created work changes the outcome of it is like all really really fascinating. And this is a game in 2017 that i think is talking about things that no other game is talking about i'm not saying he's talking about them well i'm not saying the execution is perfect but it is out there in ways that are just fun and out there in ways of in terms of like thematic substance and what's cool about it and here's here's the the sales pitch i guess is it is if you've played Rampa one and two you're going to get way more out of it that's just a fact like the 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 punches that it throws out there are going to hit harder if you've played those other games. However, I do think you can just play this and appreciate its own insanity and the story will make some sort of sense for you. So if that's a concern and you just want to experience this, you should. Um, I remember being a big advocate, and I still am a big advocate, of Asura's Wrath and how that game... Took so much pleasure in making you just go wow. and Rapa V three elicits a lot of the same emotions, mm. and well, if that is a high that you crave, you should play it. That's uh, all I've got,
1: Ben. When you're describing the game, what you did in it, this sounds like a fever dream.
0: It is. It. Yeah, but it's okay. the thing. The thing about it is, you're like, you go, that's like a fever dream, but then you actually play it, and this, it's like, this is way crazier than any fever dream I could actually <laughs> have. Excellent. That's the thing. Um, obviously, I'm not really roping you guys into this conversation too much. Uh, I just kind of wanted to say those things and move on because we talked about it last time and because uh, the review will be going up. How long is that game? How long is that game? Uh, I I think I spent more... I don't know. I think I spent more than 20 hours on it. I want to say like twenty twenty five, but I'm not... Confident in that assumption.
2: I was expecting way shorter. Than yeah, no, me, me too,
0: crazy. Man. No, it's long. Okay. 20. It's long. You gotta earn Jeez. that. Cra- yeah, Chris Ben, I yeah. want to see that crazy ending. You do. Oh, you oh, you so do. And the thing is, is like you don't, you do not want to just look up that ending on its own because I think it, yeah. you, like you, it will be accurate, but it, that ending means so much more if you go through that stuff beforehand. It okay. really does. All right. Uh, that ending, that ending, is insane. It's insane. It's insane. Kyle, yep. let's move on. Sure. Uh, you like you do, you have some VR games to talk about, but you yeah. also have something that I'm really excited about. I know the audience is really excited about. You have a special update for us yeah. as well. So let's let's tackle both of these things. Cool. Whichever one you want to do first. Let's do
2: VR first. I okay. missed I missed a VR game last time I was on the podcast, so I got two this time. Did uh, you? Okay. Yeah, but I'll go I'll go through them pretty fast. <laughs> uh, first one is Apollo eleven uh, VR. Uh, this was just, this is a $12 game. This is on Oculus. It's on Vive. It's on PS4. Uh, this is a game in which you go on the Apollo 11 mission and land on the moon. And it is barely a game. There are three playable parts. Uh, the first two are super hard, but they kind of make you appreciate how difficult it was to Mm. land on the moon. Uh, basically, uh, just sinking in with the, uh, the lunar lander. And just basically like uh, 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 making sure that everything's aligned through your tiny windows in the compact space. It is so crazy to be in that space next to two astronauts being on the, in the spaceship that the rocket that was sent to the moon. Like just being in these compact spaces, every single knob is labeled exactly as it is in real life. Uh, so you look to your left and there's, you know, 50 switches yeah. and each of them has a label and you look to your front and there are knobs and crazy things and tiny, tiny windows and that's all as it was. And so as a game, not great, poor in fact, but, uh, in terms of appreciating what that lunar mission was, how hard it is to land it, uh, being on the moon itself is actually like the least interesting part, sure. uh, because I think it's probably the worst approximation, but, uh, yeah, just, uh, Having a little space adventure is so interesting. A weird manipulative thing they add is, uh, like, orchestrated music. And I almost turned it off because it's like you're, like, uh, coming into space. And it's just strings going... It, <laughs> like, makes you a little emotional. You know what I mean? Like, right. you're crying because I'm, like, launched out. But uh, I didn't turn it off. It's just still, it's still
0: pretty cool. Mm. But, like... We're we did it. We did it. Like yeah. we we're in the future where you can get on some podcast and be like, Hey, I, I played VR and I went to space. Yeah. And it made me feel like I was actually going through the effort <laughs> of going to space. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing in and of itself. It that is, is really amazing. Cool. Yeah. Uh and it is
2: educational. I learned some things, but yeah, it's yeah. some things. Some I mean I'm still like an idiot when it comes to space. Did you yeah. ever
1: play the NES game where you try to launch into space? No, dude. Well, I remember like someone I remember had this game where you try to launch like the shuttle into space, and it was so tough.
2: Yeah, I don't remember this game. Yeah, it was bad.
1: But I mean, I remember, I remember
0: like it. Lunar Lander, but
2: it's weird. Even when you're like trying to land, it doesn't tell you what you're doing wrong. So I oh. like I crashed on the moon twelve times, times yeah. and then I was like, all right, just do it for me. And then you kind of see like what I should have done, but it's crazy. It's crazy hard.
0: Did you ever? I guess did it ever create like this weird sensation of fear where like something was going bad, but you didn't have time to correct it, and so you just sort of slowly had to see yourself crash or something. Like, and you that can look,
2: of- you can look to your right and see the other two astronauts, and like we're going down, guys. Are they panicking or no, anything? No, they're not. I wish they were. Yeah. were <laughs> like, oh. but I mean, they're real people who are alive, so it's yeah. like maybe not. But yeah, that's it's cool.
0: Um, I'm kind of hesitant to ask this question because I just don't know. Yeah. Uh, um, but do you, do you feel like the sensation that it gave you, you you couldn't get outside of VR? Yeah, this would suck outside of VR. This have you ever boring. played per- Kerbal Space Program? Uh, No. I have not either. Mm-hmm. I feel like I should. Yeah, I but. think
2: that's kind of like the trial and error of building a rocket ship, though, right?
0: That's right. the fun of that? Yeah. Right. Where where you're saying, like, that's more a game of of planning and seeing what you construct, how it functions, whereas, yeah. like... All it's stuff's playing. You just gotta, you just gotta fly the dang thing. Yeah, similar. Uh, yeah, the the Sensation. meaning
2: of this is to be educational, and I think like it was like VR education or something like that mm-hmm. is the name of the brand that hmm. produced this. So yeah,
1: it's cool. Interesting.
2: Yeah, if you have that in a museum, that's like that's so fun. That's really really cool.
0: Kyle, uh, not to not to pat you on the back too much, but I think it like deserves call out. I said this when you brought Tales Adventure, but like. I think about the things that, that I bring to frame Trip, and I want to bring them to frame Trip because I want to play them. Like Everything that I'm bringing here and talking about today, I was very excited about. Yeah, I think it's so cool that you can get on this podcast and bring up things that I never would have even considered.
2: Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah, it doesn't really pop on the PlayStation Store, but it's, it's, if you got, you, got a, if you got a VR headset, like, it's kind of worth checking How did you, how did you out.
0: find this?
2: Because I'll look. I'll look at like what they've added every week, you know?
0: But I'm looking too, like I'm going to PlayStation Store, I'm going to new games, Yeah. and it just not, doesn't... It doesn't, doesn't pop. Realize. You have to 11. Kyle's it sort of Kyle's yeah. scrolling down yeah, hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: So the other one uh, I didn't find, we got a code for this one, Voltron VR Chronicles. Mm. Bloodworth posts it in Slack, and I say, Voltron in VR? Yeah. Heck yeah, let's do it. So uh, this one's $15, again, on all major VR platforms. Uh, here's the thing. Hey, you're mm-hmm. not in there for too long, maybe a half hour, maybe the length of, a, of show plus commercials. Uh, uh, you don't get to pilot Voltron in VR. We're out. That's it. Thanks yep. for talking about this game. Yep. That's all we need to
3: know. Why would yeah. you do that?
2: Why would you do that? You get to see Voltron, and it's kind of cool to see Voltron in its full scale. It has an impact, but you're just uh, piloting a tiger for the rest yeah,
1: of Yeah, you know what would have been cool? Piloting Voltron. Yeah. yeah. That's,
0: that's like, I mean... Maybe this would actually be amazing. That's like making a Mario game where you play as a Goomba and you just watch Mario go through the level. Yeah, he hops right over you. Yeah, yeah, and then you're done. Yep. Thanks for playing.
2: Imagine right when I was just talking about Apollo Eleven, looking at my fellow astronauts to my left. I mean, imagine being in Voltron. Imagine that.
0: Oh, like the thing is, I can't imagine it. Yeah, I can. Yeah. And, but so wait, what? Like, what do you do? You just stare at Voltron and it says, "Thanks for."
2: Watching? Yeah, it's at the very end, right. We need to form Voltron. What in. are
0: they doing for the rest of the minutes? So the rest of the minutes is uh, you're
2: solving problems in your tiger, which is kind of cool. Which which tiger are you in? Blue what tiger. problems are you solving? Ooh. Like yeah. crossword puzzles? Isn't that the princess's tiger? Oh.
1: I think it's the princess's tiger.
2: I think. That, wait, really?
1: Yeah, because I'm pretty sure they get different colored lines that don't match their suit colors. I was a blue I
3: boy. I was a
2: blue sure. boy. Oh, blue the blue tiger. one, yeah.
1: yeah. I think he gets the red one later on. Whoa. Because the leader has the black one, I think, and he has red on.
2: By the way, Voltron like by design sucks because it's like it's like one big tiger who gets to be most of the body. Yeah, but he does this and goes and the sword comes out. Yeah, yeah, really cool. But like, it's just—it's kind of lame that it's just like one big one is most of Voltron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got wings on his back, and that have just become Voltron. Yeah, 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 It's just like there's very little transformation. I always feel
1: so bad for people who are just like the arm or yeah. the leg. Yeah. yeah,
2: You are just an arm or a leg that you just like attach onto. He yeah, the head. Because like
1: Power Rangers, if I remember correctly, they like all go in like one room together a lot of times. Yeah. But I think in Voltron, they're just like in their own area still. Oh, so like I, I would have think...
2: been in the foot.
1: I think so. Like, if we're being I'm not accurate. 100% sure, but oh, I think okay, so. okay, you're right.
2: That would have sucked. That would have sucked. I
1: don't remember them all in, like, a room together, okay. necessarily. All right. It's been a long time, though.
2: Fair point, Brad. Fair point. But, yeah, uh, it's cool to pilot a tiger because you do get a sense of scale. And, actually, it's the best animated VR game I've played. Oh. Because it's based off the, the Netflix show by DreamWorks. Oh, and, I haven't seen that. And so, like, the, like the, the, the way that lips move is, like, extreme. Because I'm assuming they're just taking those models. Just the way that lips are animated is, like, wow, hey. Yeah. And like the characters look great, and everything everything looks really good. It's a really it's hmm. cool. It was a cool little half hour adventure to go on, uh, but except it, for not yeah Voltron. It's like essential. It is essential. What are you that doing? Get to be in what are you doing? Yeah, yeah.
0: Man, so you brought us down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Bring us back up.
2: So uh, I get asked a lot for mom updates. If you don't know <laughs> what I'm talking about, you. about you. yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, when I got my PS4 Pro last year. Uh, My dad's like, hey, how about I get the PS4? And I said, okay. I gave him that PS4. He doesn't play it. My mom does. So I gave her The Witness first. She got way into The Witness and wanted more games. We talked about it on this podcast, what other games. Uh, We came up with Unfinished Swan. And so last time I was there, I downloaded Unfinished Swan and downloaded uh, Edith Finch. Uh, So she played through Unfinished Swan and really likes it. Hell yeah. yeah, yeah. She stalled cool, out mom. on the witness. Actually, like she's like she's at a she's hard part. She might be over it, but she still loves it. Like she might come back to it. I want to read you a text message from her. Please um, scoops. But uh, yeah, she she played through the entirety of Unfinished One, enjoying it the entire time. And I didn't like give her a lot to expect. How many sittings was this? You I know? think it, I think it's many sittings. Okay. I think it's let's say five sittings or okay. five or six. Um, uh, it's it's fun to get little messages from her. Uh it's fun to uh encourage her on things. She said that throughout the entirety of it, uh she cheated. She cheated twice. And I go, what do you mean cheated? She's like, I had to look things up. I go, uh, like, where do you go? And she goes I G N? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I cheat too. It's good. Yeah. Um Yeah uh First result. Yeah, first result. Yeah, exactly. Did you get the sense that she felt tremendously guilty about... She felt guilty. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Um, wow. There's actually... I got a lot of these.
1: Dude, yes. I'm seeing a lot of text right
2: there. <laughs> yeah. A lot of gray. A lot of great text. Like, you can tell them how excited I was with the fire hose, too. That whole empty castle got a shower that day. Like, what a cute <laughs> little text,
0: right? <laughs> The whole empty castle got a shower that day. Yeah,
2: because at one point, like, it, the Unfinished Swan starts off as you're just shooting little yeah. black splotches. Yeah. The entire environment is white. And then, like, that's what we thought the game was right. in its entirety mm-hmm. when it launched. It is, it is so much yeah, more. You well. go on a little adventure. What's
0: great about that text, too, is it's so illustrative of you can just see her. Reveling in the fact that she can just spray all this stuff and going nuts like a little kid, like you can just you can see the excitement through those words, and it's awesome.
2: Um. Oh man, I can't find it. It's like about the f and balloons, because the the only secrets in unfinished swans are balloons. Yeah. Is your mom dropping f bombs? I don't remember the balloons. Um, they're, they're like they're secrets and you have mm-hmm. to shoot them no I yeah, think yeah 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 your mom's dropping F-bombs alright absolutely All right. man okay, yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> absolutely we're <laughs> <Absolutely. Related. 'Cause, laughs> so much I think at the beginning yeah I can't find it at the beginning she would be like she would be searching for the balloons but then it's just like <laughs> come on it's just enough balloons uh, and so I think she it was about her ratio uh, it was her f and balloon ratio that she was so mad about <laughs> wait <laughs> because when you finish a chapter it's like you got three out of oh, how many balloons and
0: it would be low
2: and yeah, then, yeah yeah and it's like that's not don't worry about it mom it's not the point of the game and she got that by the end but uh it was cool to talk to her about the parts that enamored her like the parts that were hard the parts that were actually very interesting right the game changes mechanically Mm -hmm. many times throughout it and how she actually like cared about the story and things like that it was a good pick for a mom yeah and i'm like so happy that is a good pick
1: yeah
0: i'm i really like unfinished swan i like edith finch even more yeah um, just because just because of the narrative being spun there and if she does play that i really want her thoughts on what right. she about this I'm yeah. really happy she went through and finished one first. Right, because I, I think it'd be a downgrade after
2: Edith Finch. So after the yeah. success here, so I yeah.
0: had witnessed big success started this whole thing off. We got yeah. Edith Finch, yeah. giving everybody a bath. Uh, what do you think? Besides Edith Finch, you would think about suggesting for her I got based one. on your experience. Okay, what
1: do you got? Uh, journey.
2: Journey might be Give good. Give her journey. Journey dude. might be good. Journey might be very good. Yeah, I like that, Brad. I mean they're not gonna have PlayStation Plus, so I don't think yeah, you can I mean, play it online. But 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 just yeah. going
1: through that game alone.
2: Yeah. Actually, any of those games. Like Flower is so uh, sick. I too. love Flower.
0: Flower's really good. Rhyme, I think, Rime. would be really good.
2: Yeah. Uh yeah, because I mean, even in, in Unfinished Swan, you have enemies. You know what I mean? We've introduced enemies. Witness has no enemies or anything like that, but you got another one.
0: Life is Strange. Ooh, that's a that's a
2: sidestep. It is. It's but that's it, a
0: big it's set. a sidestep, yeah. but it's it's within the realm. Mm-hmm. I yeah, she
2: says she likes exploring, she likes solving puzzles, she's yeah. definitely said. So maybe Life is Strange being be interesting. We
1: got to get her on Breath of the Wild eventually. Um, the ne- yes, the, the, yes, the step. That's like
2: absolutely. what we're leading up to. Yeah. yeah. She gave it a score. Uh, so oh my goodness. She said, uh, if the witness is a 10, and the witness is a 10 to her. Okay. Unfinished Swan is a 5.5. 5. And I was like, Mom,
3: what? Come on, you what? said you
2: liked it. She's like, it's a 5.5.
0: It's like, all right, that's fair. That's fair. I like it. 5.5. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Kyle, Is everything you've told me, Yeah. I, w- I could see a 7. Yeah. I could see an 8. Yeah. A 5.5? Right. Loved it. Had you a great know time.
1: 5.5. 5. I'm going to blame it on the salty balloon ratio. Yeah. Yeah. It could I be the balloon ratio. I think
2: it's salt. I yeah, think yeah, it's yeah. not. But I also, so like think about my mom who's never played video games really. Right. Who's never sat down with a video game controller and right. played through a video game. 5.5 still seems like a good score to her. I think that's right. actually kind of interesting. We need her to change the system.
1: Yeah, she's got to learn mm-hmm. that if your game's not above eight, you're trash. Yeah, I
2: know. Cause like, think of like that connect Kine- t- like that.
0: <laughs> that like dumb connect game. Oh, no. Even
2: that was like 5.7 right. or something like that. It's I- like, come on.
0: I played multiple hours with Friends of Rise of Nightmares. It's like a three.
2: Yeah, 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 yeah. And th- again, like that, that got a higher Metacritic score than my mom gave uh, a game she loved. It's yeah, she loves it. Yeah, she loves this love game. I love it. Yeah, five point five. Five point five.
0: Yeah. Also, like, it's kind of it, you have to you have to admit it's kind of funny because you do a bit. You've done a bit where yeah. you've given things that you love low scores. Right. And she did this on promise. This is all yeah. making sense now. You yeah. have you have gone to IGN walkthroughs oh, in yeah. times of trouble. Yeah. You came from this. Mm-hmm. We're seeing the origin. This is the Kyle Cut From origins. the same sure. cloth. I wonder if it's innate. You know, I didn't yeah. tell her. No. Yeah. She just she yeah. just found IGN. You know, that's yeah. a safe haven for you
2: guys. Yeah, that's just part of my
0: DNA. It's, it's part of my d- genes. <laughs> <laughs>
2: it's part of my it's genes. I can't help it.
0: The IGN is in my blood. Uh, the last game that we're going to talk about today, another feel good one, Brad. Mm. Uh, I've been, I've actually been playing it too, Secret of Mana. Yeah.
3: You have both been playing this game because yep. yeah. of your
0: Super Nintendos? Yep. Yeah, cool, cool. <laughs> um, Why not wait for the remake? Because I want
1: that context, baby.
0: Okay. Yeah, I think the remake actually spurred it on. I've never finished. I, I never finished never it either. Played Through Secret through. of Mana. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, have not experienced. A lot of that game and and i want to i want to play through it i want so when the remake is out i can see more precisely what they're changing mm-hmm. yeah sure um yeah also as i discovered very quickly secret of mana is amazing yes it's very good like it's still amazing that was amazing not just like oh everybody loves this like you can play it today and have a brilliant time with it yes
1: it's very good uh bad hitboxes though
0: Okay, tell Man. me about the bad hitboxes. There's
1: one boss in particular I remember. Just terrible, terrible hitbox, Ben. It's a wall. Have you, have you fought a wall yet? No, I don't Woof. think I've fought a wall. What's he um, get to this wall, Ben?
2: I, a wall should be an easy hitbox. That's You would a, that's think
1: a so. This wall has eyes on it, though, I Kyle. Uh
0: huh. Brad, I was playing it.
1: I just um, swing at it and go, nothing happens, and I move to the left, like,
0: away from the eye, and
1: it goes, the damage.
0: Sure. It's like, what is this? <laughs> I haven't played for a couple of weeks now. I did everything in the uh, the dwarven village Mm -hmm. which that music is awful um (laughs) and then i just stopped and then haven't picked it up since then yeah i'm quite a ways past that okay i got the third character okay yeah yeah yeah, i'm way past that um but do you think in general what do you think about the combat
1: i like it i think the combat's good Uh uh-huh uh I mean, it's not going to blow you away nowadays or anything like that, because right. it's obviously older. Yeah. But it's solid, except for those wonky hitboxes i run into.
2: So if I remember right, you can attack, you can press a button to attack, but yeah. you have to wait for it to recharge, basically?
0: Well, you can actually just press a button to attack whenever you want, but the damage that you're doing is minuscule. Yes. yes. Mm-hmm. And this is why I think it's so it's yes. so simple, but Thank it's you. so brilliant. Because you think about action RPGs, right, I think our Collectively, our minds tend to gravitate towards something like a Diablo, where it's just like click, 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 yeah. click. That is not secret amount at all. You can do that. You can hack away, but you're, that's that's not how you get through this game. It's not how you kill things. And so you want to you want to wait for this gauge. It, it keeps recharging to get to one hundred percent, and then you swing. And so you have to be very careful about timing your swings. And you can also charge up uh, depending on the level of your weapon. And do a super powerful attack, but that takes more time. Yeah. Um, and so you
1: really get really, really more levels of that as you level weapons up. Right. Cool. Exactly. Oh, yeah, I There's do. like a ton of different weapons, Kyle, you can just use and stuff like that. Yep. Which is fun.
0: Um, and like the different characters can use different weapons and they all have um different...
1: They all could use the weapons, but the main character, he levels them up faster. I know that. Okay. Okay. But the two other characters can use magic and he can't really. Okay. I forgot his name. I always forget it. It's something weird like... Something with an art. I want to say something dumb like Randy. That's his name. It's not Randy. It's something weird like that, though. But,
0: yeah. Uh, I'll look this one up. Yeah. Also, the the sprites, man. Like mm-hmm. It's just an absolutely gorgeous yeah, game. Yeah, it
1: is. It really is. We're going to do that cannon shot, Ben. You yes, like the cannon. Yes, 7, the, baby. The, yes,
0: it's so good. <laughs> the cannon travel. Um... The story for me, the way that it's presenting itself, I also think is really interesting and something that we've kind of gone away from, where, like, I don't think the story is great. Like, mm-hmm. you are, the world is being polluted and you've got to go and stop it. Like, it's it's pretty basic stuff. It's pretty barebent stuff. But I love how immediately Secret of Mana starts where you're in the world, you go get the sword, you're on your quest, you get banish from your people because they think you, you're you are kind of responsible for a lot of this, and you go out and you're just in the world and you're exploring and you're doing things and you can go off in different directions. Like there's just there's an immediacy to Secret of Mana that I really really like. It everything moves quickly, mm-hmm. um, and I think so. I mean, I've only done a couple of them right now, but the boss fights too are. I know you said you were complaining about the hitboxes, but I just think mechanically and visually these. Oh yeah, they look so great.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> tons of variety.
2: So uh, two two live corrections. Yeah. Sidebar Games are the developers of Golf Story. Okay. Sidebar Games. Okay. Yep. And the protagonist of Secret of Mana is named Randy.
0: Yes. It's Randy. Or Got like, it.
2: Maybe like we should say Randy? Like R A N D I. Randy? But it's it's Randy.
1: <laughs> I knew something dumb <laughs> That's like that. So
2: funny. <laughs> Maybe we should say Randy, but like that's because the man. characters man, have Randy. they
1: have canon names, but yeah. when you name them, there is no canon name there, so, so you, you don't just know what start. yeah Got you it. don't know what it is yeah
0: yeah. Uh, Brad, I'm playing this. I'm playing Secret <laughs> of Mana single player and having a great time. Mm-hmm. Are you playing it co-op?
1: Yes, I am. Okay, nice. Playing with my girlfriend. Nice. It's really fun. Who gets to be Randy? I'm Randy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Randy, and I play the other character a lot too.
0: Uh, Brad. If you want to do it, that's fine. But this is a game that, like, if I ever had time, and I don't have time at the moment, but, like, I really love to do it. Don't skip. I realize Secret of Mana is a game that a lot of people have talked about, but I yeah. love revisiting it. And uh, I got some ideas. Seeing Ooh. how I got some ideas for games. Like this is whether you have an SNES Classic or not. Like, carve out some time and play. Yeah, some it was
1: on uh, the Wii Virtual Console. I know mm-hmm. I had it on there. I don't know if it's on Wii U though. I don't know. Yeah, I don't
0: know. I, d- it's not on, I don't think it's on 3DS.
2: So no. I I got a question, actually, in relation to Golf Story. Yeah. Does it actively make you care about this person's quest? Because mm. from what I remember, it's like Legendary Sword, you picked it up. It's like, you should yeah. not have picked that up, dude. Right. Now we're in trouble because you picked up that
1: sword. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't feel like I need to see his quest through kind of thing right now. Here's what
0: I'm going to say about Secret of Mana. Sure. I think if you take, if you're just looking at the main narrative, not that interesting, Mm -hmm. but this game has so much personality and so many weird, quirky things about it. Like, for example, when you get swindled at the dwarf village and like how they try to con you out of money and all these little side stories that you can into to get into. And like, you talk to the people at the bar and they're doing crazy things. Like the world has so much personality injected into it that like, yes, The main story might be a little generic by today's standards, but you're still finding things to get invested in. Like, it's not just... I'm Like, yes, running around and killing monsters is really fun, but this is a really cool, well-presented world and is constantly demonstrating. Like, even just going, shooting in the can and having that be your way of fast travel, uh, the way that that is represented visually, like, all of that stuff, I I think there's more to it than just it feels good to kill things. Cool.
1: Yeah, uh, I think... I think Chrono Trigger came out of this game. Something with the development, Chrono Trigger was made for it. That's why some of the characters look the same. Mm. Like, uh, the main character kind of looks like Chrono. Yeah, And absolutely. the girl looks like Marl. Yep. A lot like that. I'm not sure which one is first, but yeah. one led to the Very other. Very similar. From, like, design areas. Like, they couldn't achieve something with one of the versions, so another game was born out of it.
2: I think Chrono Trigger came second.
1: It might have been Chrono Trigger after, yeah. another
2: life correction? Come yeah, on. check it. I'm, I'm almost positive that that's the case.
1: Yeah, Probably. But I just thought that was interesting when I found that out.
0: Um, Brett, it's really cool that that you've been playing through Secret of Mana. I got to get back to it, man. I got to finish it. Yeah, it's really fun. Uh, so yeah, I'd like. You got a that friend to, to play with fun. too.
1: Fun, good stuff.
0: Um, you said you were playing through Secret of Mana with your girlfriend. I've actually been playing Yoshi's Island with my girlfriend Ooh, and uh, baby. Yeah, I. Is this a competition? No. No. <laughs> You're right. Like, <laughs> I've Island actually day. been playing
1: through Yoshi's Island with uh, my, my girlfriend. Well, no, I, I played Dark Souls 3 with my girlfriend, Ben. No, it's really cool.
0: <laughs> it's really cool. I've, I've said this so many times, but uh, we started like really playing games regularly with Overcooked, and then we played Beyond. Oof. Um, But it was, like, kind of one game at a time, and now we're playing multiple games at a time. Like, we're playing through Yoshi's Island. We're also playing through Evil Within 2 together. And so she's just gotten, like, way more into games, and so it's been really good for me. Um, But I had also... I had played Yoshi's Island before, and it was, like, one of those games that I had, like, played a little bit of at several different points of my life, but I'd never actually sat down and played the whole thing and really didn't have too many thoughts about it. Yoshi's Island might be one of the best controlling games I've ever played. It's so good. Everything about it feels good. It's so good. Like, just... The way that your character moves, how fast they move, the speed at which the cursor with which you throw the egg, how you can lock it in with the shoulder button, the the exact height with which the flutter jump dips and then goes up. Mm. Like every it's like it's like scientists sat down and distilled all these mechanics. Like you're going through these levels, and I actually don't think Yoshis Island like we're on World Four. I think we're on I think we're on World Four, or just got to World Four. And I think there are six worlds total, um, and none. It hasn't been too difficult so far, but it doesn't matter because the way that they're having you use the mechanics is so good. There's a boss that we just fought at the end of World Three, um, where you have to bank shots off mm-hmm. a wall to hit their weak point, and it just feels so good. Like you're trying to dodge all these crazy vines, and you're banking off these eggs off the wall and then hitting it, and it's just. You feel like a god. Like, even if you're not that good at it, it, it's so sublime in its controls that it feels amazing. And the level design is absolutely superb. I've actually played through New Yoshi's Island and I thought that game was pretty mediocre at the time now that I'm playing actual Yoshi's Island yeah, that game is trash yeah. The game is hot garbage it sucks because <laughs> Yoshi's Island you think about the level design and the way that they hide secrets and how every level is different from it, one another like you've got a level where you touch these things and it's like you're doing drugs and the screen is getting all distorted you've got other levels where you're trying to get through these caves and it's like a puzzle you have to drag these things over to bounce up here and do all these crazy things you become mole. you're digging through all these caverns you're a helicopter you got to get through this race course you become yeah. baby mario for a second and you're running on walls and it's just kind of it's has crazy. been a common theme of this podcast so far but it is a game that is constantly surprising you it's not relying on the same tricks and it, everything it's doing like all of it feels equally good uh is it super mario world 2 yoshi's on is that what it yeah, is yeah that's what it's called yeah if
1: you're putting yeah. super mario world 2 on there
2: yeah you better be good because i think I think the reason it's not as well-regarded as Super Mario World is Baby Mario. Yeah, absolutely. Is how annoying it is for the baby to be crying when every time you get I ahead.
0: actually think that's a really good mechanic, though. I do, because... It's like, better than getting hit
2: and dying, you mean?
0: Well, no, it, it's... So, like, the, in Yoshi's Island, when you get hit, you, you have Baby Mario on your back, and when you get hit, Baby Mario bubbles up and he's crying, and you have this countdown that's ticking down, um, and it's basically, like, seconds, and you start with, like, ten seconds... And then when you get stars, you increase that counter. And it gives you incentive to go and explore and get stars and spend eggs to hit clouds to get more stars so you can build that timer up. So when you do get hit, you have a little bit more of a window to get it.
2: Ben, I played through the whole game and did not know I had any influence
0: on the timer. Yes, you do. When you're getting stars, you're increasing that timer. Huh. Yes. That's really interesting. Yes, I think it's good design. That is cool. Um, I also like... uh, because I think about platforming games, right? And like, I've, I've also, every once in a great while, I've been chipping away at Crash Bandicoot 1 on the Insane Trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really like that game. But I think in any platforming game, like, there are just moments where I just die. I just die instantly. And you can die, you can die instantly in Yoshi's Island. But uh, like, something hits you out of nowhere, and it's like, oh, I didn't know that that was happening. Uh, now I know. Now it's trial and error. Now I can get through it. And Yoshi's Island because you have this mechanic built in something will hit you that you don't expect and then you have the franticness for like trying to go and get it and i love it i love that panic i love like because what happens is when you get down to zero the things will come to take baby mario away but you actually have a small window to go and and still save it yeah so the moments where you just get it from them like it's it's really really cool and if it was just you as yoshi playing through it that wouldn't happen, or no. you just get hit by something and you just die, and so it, it adds a whole nother layer to this game that I think is really good. Yes, the baby crying is annoying, but I think it's so much more than
2: that. I think it's better than Mario World. I really do. I think it's a better game than Super Mario World. Hmm.
0: Mario World is my favorite Mario game. Yeah, mine too. Oh, uh, hmm. well, we got a problem here. Well, the the thing is, is Yoshi's Island came out in, like, 1995. Like, it's a super late late. Yeah while That's we're an talking an about game.
2: super nintendo years uh chrono trigger 95 uh secret of mana 93 yeah there
1: we go yep cool
2: yeah you're right 95's late but 95 playstation is flexing in the year 95 but who
0: cares when you've got chrono trigger and yoshi's island what more do you need
2: i have twisted metal
0: is yeah. that 95 i want to was that a launch but... game
2: jump and flash
0: G- yes i haven't played jumping flash oh it's so fun Jumping Flash. I, I saw you stream it. Very fun. Yeah, I saw you stream it. I got to play some Jumping Flash. Yeah. got to play a lot of things. We got to move on to okay. emails. Cool. Um, yeah. Yes. 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 Uh, question for you, panel. Is there any game that another panelist talked about that you feel that you're going to play before the end of 2017? Divinity.
2: Of Zero, Divinity.
1: And whatever that game he told you, the ex- the Torchlight guys. What was that called again?
2: Hob. H-O-B. Hob. Hob. Yeah, I'm definitely playing. Hob is a big one for me. And then I'm probably going to youtube the ending of Danganronpa. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I know, Ben, but when am I going to die? Oh. I know, oh. but it's just just breaks his heart. Maybe. It's uh, it's in maybe like it's on the 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 bottom of the docket of December.
0: Okay, that's fine. Just play it, like if I can just get one of those right. I'm, where I'm happy. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Oh, maybe you had time too, dude.
1: Ah, that might be hard after Mario. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, I don't know what Mario's going to be like, but,
0: yeah, bye. Our first email comes in from Morgan. He says, I recently played Rise of the Tomb Raider and had a blast with it. But where was the buzz? Mm. Nowhere for the Uncharted series... uh, Nowhere, comma, excuse me, for the Uncharted series had taken the gold and now there is little regard for the runner-up. That is not to say that Uncharted 4 didn't deserve the gold, but it is hard not to think about what could have been. My question is, does second place matter in video games? If you can, imagine the following games if their paired gold medalist never was. Love and respect. Uh, so he's saying like, Overwatch, Battleborn. So if Overwatch didn't exist, what would the response be to Battleborn? Metal Gear Solid, Tenchu. If Metal Gear Solid didn't exist, what would be the response to Tenchu? World of Warcraft, EverQuest 2, Uncharted 4, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Uh, well, I do think that is uh, an interesting game, i'm actually more interested in the question in in is there room for the runner-up uh whereas like do you think when we're talking about like because untraded 4 exists, do you think that our response to something like rise of the terminator is predetermined is that always the case mm-hmm. is there room for a runner-up
2: uh there is room for runner-up but uh uh I'm going to say the direct comparisons are real. I'm going to say that it it does hurt. Mm -hmm. I I do actually believe that. You know, we can make fun of Battleborn all day long. Uh, Battleborn probably wouldn't have been a big success in a world where Overwatch didn't exist, but it's still brought up in every comparison against it. Uh, And so it did hurt it. It did harm it. It would have done better uh, in a world without Overwatch uh, to some extent. But... uh, uh, yeah, there's room. There's absolutely room for second places. There's room for five fighting games this year. Hmm. That's crazy. Uh, and obviously, you compare fighting games against each other. Yeah. Obviously, you compare Injustice to Street Fighter to, to Killer Instinct, to uh, Tekken 7, uh, to Marvel. Like, you know, we, we have space. There's lots of space now. And so, uh, good games still flourish, even if they're a second place. Rise of the Tomb Raider is a really interesting thing. Uh, in that I do think Uncharted put higher expectations on it, story-wise. I think well, it had to match what Uncharted was doing.
0: What's interesting to me about Rise of the Tomb Raider is Tomb Raider 2013 came out mm-hmm. and was a big deal. Yeah. And Uncharted totally existed. The, the same comparisons were being made then as they are now with Rise of the Tomb Raider. Yeah. Um. But to that question, uh, do you think... It matters. The second place comparison matters. How much visually it looks like it. Like, let's say Rise of the Tomb Raider was the same mechanically, and you could make comparisons to Uncharted, where you're climbing stuff, but was set in the post-apocalypse. Do you think just because visually you have this person Ooh. who's seeking out ancient secrets, uh, like that is hurting it? Is it just aesthetically? You're, the you're saying,
2: you're saying there's, a, there's a lot of similarities between those two games, right? Because that's, that's
0: different than a second place with like a fighting game where it's, it's more about the, the mechanics and how it plays and the types of characters presented than I necessarily, like in every fighting and a lot of fighting games, you've got like the, 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 the ninja or the, you know, the, 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 the student, the, but
2: even in those five fighting games, each of them are distinct visually. Each of them are their their own games. I see why you would say that like, even these two are much more directly comparable.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Hmm. Um, I will say, I think uh, Tomb Raider got hurt a little by not being on PlayStation this time. Hmm. Missed the whole bone PS4. Yeah. So everyone who had a PS4 just bought Uncharted instead. Sure. So I think that hurt them a lot, actually.
2: Yeah. And coming out a year later on PS4 still yeah. hurts you. Mm-hmm. There wasn't frothing demand for it, uh, which is crazy. <coughs> Tomb Raider is, I would say, in in franchise value, top 15. Like if we had to draft franchises, we had all of the video game franchises hmm. in front Tomb of us. Tomb Raider's in top fifteen. I would put it in top fifteen. Man, we should do that. I don't know. I I, I really like Tomb That'd Raider. Really Raider fun I don't game. know. That'd be a really fun game, actually, yeah. to draft franchises. Uh, I'd put it, Ben. I'd put it in top fifteen. You would? Yes. Oh, I think we got to make that
0: list because yeah. I don't know, man.
2: I would I would draft it before Metroid. I think I can make more money off Tomb Raider than you can with Metroid. You know, I think that, I think yeah, it's a very, that's
0: probably. Tr- I mean, that is true.
2: And so I think it's a very marketable uh, franchise that was mishandled mm-hmm. badly. And I think that's why we haven't seen the reveal of the third one yet.
1: It's not the uh, same team, right? It third is a different team. One? Yeah. Like,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. And so uh, I think that's why we haven't seen hmm. that yet. I, I think that they are seriously reconsidering how they, they botched that last game.
0: I, yeah, absolutely. I do think there were weird things going on with Rise of the Tomb Raider, but I absolutely think there's room for second place. And I think first place creates a lot of successful imitators like when i think about after grand theft auto blew up if you were like a semi-decent open world game you got a lot of attention because of grand theft auto like there was absolutely room for you the, yeah. the things that there weren't room for were the bad so it's almost like it was, like it was you, you're, it's a benefit to be a second it, place what you mean. i think yeah, a, yeah i yeah, think in yeah. a lot of ways absolutely yeah um saints I row right sure yeah yeah, I
2: think that's what, yeah, Saints Row benefited from being a GTA second place, yeah.
0: And I think, like, Saints Row 1 and 2 saw some level of success, but then saw even more success when With they three. went their completely own direction yeah. as well. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Okay. Brad, I'm going to throw this next one at you. Okay. A second email comes in from Brandon. He says, Hey, Frame Trappers. Never heard that one before. I like it. I just watched Ben's review of Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite and completely agree that the character models look horrible. Disgusting even. It left me wondering why Capcom went with 3D models over 2D sprites when they likely already have many of the 2D sprites from previous games that could be sharpened up for HD consoles. Do you think it's impossible for for a AAA studio to produce a 2D AAA game designed to appeal to a mass market audience? Is it similar to how big animation studios seem to no longer create 2D animated movies? For the most part, does the mass market expect things to be created in a 3D engine? And would a casual console gamer turn up their nose at Marvel vs. Capcom Infinite if it was made in 2D?
1: Hmm. Uh, For the last part, I would have been more interested if it was 2D sprites. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, well, there's a lot of questions in that. Yeah. The, the one that said to me room also... Triple
0: A for AAA 2D fighting games?
1: E Like, sprite work? Because Dragon yeah. Ball is a great example for me. Like, it, sure. it's 2D, but it's technically 3D, but it looks 2D, you know? Right. Yeah. So, yes, well. I absolutely do think that. The side of, like, animation studios, mm-hmm. I think it's just a lot easier and a lot quicker and a lot cheaper to make CG movies, mm-hmm. over, like, hand-drawn, because that, that could take a long time. Sure. But, yeah, I absolutely do think there's room. Um, I think Skullgirls looked pretty good. Yeah. Visually, um, I just—it's just if people want to put in the time and the money, it seems okay. like a risk to do it a lot now.
0: So there's a couple of things there that you gave as examples um, that I that I want—I want to narrow the focus a little bit. Mm-hmm. So let's say Capcom said, "We're making Street Fighter VI. It's sprites."
1: I wish it was.
0: Yeah. Pixely, pixely sprites.
1: That'd be cool. With it. Yeah. You'd be good with that. Yeah. Do
0: you, do you think that would succeed on a on a massive scale? <sighs>
1: A massive scale? I don't know.
2: It wouldn't. Ben, I'll say it wouldn't. It wouldn't? No. you don't Like, it if would. it
1: looked like 16-bit? Like, if it looked like Street Fighter 2?
2: Even if it looked like Street Fighter 3? 3, 3, it, man, <sighs> it's hurting on that mass scale. Because you can't do your story mode anymore. You can't... Yes, you can. Well, you can't do what they did with it. You you can't compete with injustice. You can't have That's true. you can't have like the uh the supers in, right. where you're just like the camera spins around and smashes in interesting sure. ways. And those are what you are drawn in by in trailers in watching it in Twitch for 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. They would lose those things. And so it's absolutely a business-minded decision to go with 3D sprites. If you just look at what what's happening in Dragon Ball Fighters, just how much the camera spins around and how much is happening on screen, uh, you know it's hard. Think of like Cuphead. Yeah. Think of how long that took. Yeah. And like that is all hand drawn, mm-hmm, and, yeah. and it shows, and it's a beautiful game because of that. If any of that was CG, well, I guess the backgrounds might be, but anyway, uh, uh. Uh, like when the,
1: I mean, that's like the thing that put the game on the map for people. When they're
2: spinning on the genie level, when they're spinning around the castle. Yeah. Is that CG, by the way? Or uh, did they actually like construct that thing? In I
1: don't life? know. I'd have to. Okay. It's so sick. I don't know. But yeah, it looks it. really good.
2: Yeah. Um. But I
1: think that could be a great strength for the game, though, too. Yeah. But I just like, don't Like, that's think- what made Cuphead on people's radars, you yes. know? Yeah. At I, first, at least.
2: I just don't think you can do it on a triple-A scale. You can I, do it on, on a Skullgirl, so you can make your own, but yeah. I don't think you can do that with a Marvel game hmm.
0: going forward. Kyle, I think you brought up a really good point, And if like Street Fighter 6 were to take a sprite style, the the way, like from a PR perspective, you can almost see those trailers where it starts as Street Fighter 2 and it mm-hmm. slowly yep. fades in. Yep. Like the, the, what I'm saying is the only angle that I think they would take would be the nostalgia angle. It wouldn't just be, look how great this game looks without those comparisons. Yeah. Um, but I, uh, I also think that... Maybe because you have things like Skullgirls, um, because you have that like Pocket Fighters game coming out on Switch, and I think you see this. In fact, not just within fighting games, but with other styles of games as well, where we've kind of, I think, collectively associated that throwback style with indie. Mm-hmm. Yes, where it's like either you're you're making a nostalgia play, or you are an indie developer. That it's like we we for some reason can't except nope this this is just a new style that we're going for because we like the way that it looks and it looks different or we're doing something new with it um do you think that that's dangerous at all that that we say like you can only do this if you're that kind of developer that otherwise we expect these big cinematic uh cameras spinning around kind of stuff that's like ea's whole plan
2: Ye's whole plan is to nudge everyone else out to like build this expectation of what a sixty dollars game is, and if you're not up here, you're not worth sixty dollars. Like that's that's the why they love to spend so much on their games, uh, but I think it's the truth. I think it worked, and I think that if Street Fighter Six is sprites, it will actually sell worse than five even, and even if maybe even if it sells more because I mean like five sold poorly yeah uh just think of like how e- much easier it is to monetize 3d models you just throw the costume on and I, I realize that's not that simple but you don't have to redraw every sprite yeah it's for just that easier character. to do yeah you, you just have the, them wear that thing and then every animation they have that costume is still attached to them as opposed to sprites where you would redraw every single frame of animation for that character uh and so yeah I mean just there's no way they can go back there's two sprites. They could go back for a smaller game. Capcom could absolutely publish a sprite-based game, uh, but it won't be Street Fighter 6. I don't think it'll be Marvel. Uh, the, the idea of uh, taking the old sprites and, like, making them higher resolution, that's still a ton of work. Yeah. That's still so crazy. So, uh... I fear there's no going back for big publishers, but for indies, absolutely.
1: I just I think the approach that Arc System Works has done with their games make it look way better and flashier, like their but style. But with games. 3D models, still. Yeah, but yeah. like they make it look as close to like possible, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Our last email is going to come in from Andrew. He asks us a simple question. He says, "Hey, allies, if you could choose any band or composer to create and play music for any upcoming game or future game, what would it be?" For example, uh, Lamb of God and John Williams team up on Devil May Cry 5. Wow. So,
2: does that have to be a team up? Uh,
0: no. If you could choose any band or composer to create and play music for any upcoming game, it does not have to be a collaboration. Okay. You can choose one artist for it, but it has to be an upcoming game that we already know about. Great. Okay. This is fun
3: mm-hmm. uh,
0: uh,
2: Daft Punk Metroid Prime 4.
0: Mm, good. Very good. Very, very good.
2: Hmm. Do they have to be alive? Yes, dude. Wow, oh,
1: man. I was going to pick Beethoven, because... What? Chi- what? I don't like it. That's cheating. Wow. That's cheating. Well, picking that's Beethoven? Cheating. Yeah, that's cheating. You're picking Daft Punk like the, the biggest electronic band. <laughs> Real original answer. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Does it have to be original? But <laughs> you don't think of them doing Metroid <laughs> Prime 4. That's the juxtaposition. I <laughs> guess I could. Yeah, yeah. I can see if they made Tron. Of course right. they could. Uh, true, 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 true. <laughs>
1: Oh man, what band would I pick? I'm gonna pick Coheed and Cambria doing Street Fighter fo- uh, Six. Oh. for no reason. Oh. Just random stuff.
2: That's good though. All right, Coheed and Cambria, dude.
1: Just like the high pitch singing during mm-hmm. Street Fighter matches. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Don't
0: vote <laughs> it in, Coheed and Cambria. Uh, th- this answer is shaped by like what I'm listening to right now mm-hmm. uh, and what I'm playing right now, but I. I've been listening to the new St. Vincent album, which I think is really, really, really good. And she makes music that's, like, slightly unnerving but really enjoyable to listen to and, like, very catchy still. And so I want St. Vincent to, like, see what she comes up with for the Eve Within 3. I know that that game hasn't been announced, mm-hmm. but assuming that there is an Eve Within 3. Yeah. Like I want to see what sound she makes. That's I cool. I think that yeah. would be cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just... I just thought about what I was playing when what I was listening to and kind of threw them together, but I think it would be interesting. Yeah. Okay. I want to know what Heber would pick, if I if I could pick another ally to answer this question. I want to know what Heber would pick.
2: He's picking God of War. I don't know who he's picking to play for God hmm. of
0: War. I want to know. Yeah, I I mean, so. uh,
1: he'd pick Blink One Eighty Two
0: for God of War. Yep.
1: Or a yellow card. Where are you? Yeah. Or a yellow card.
0: I don't know how to feel now. I don't. I don't know how to feel. Okay. No, you
1: probably pick John Williams or something. I, oh, he loves John Williams.
0: Yeah. Because we closed the door. I mean, it was hot before, but oh, now yeah. it's I'm, Sauna. I'm dying. Yeah. I'm more like, <laughs> if I got less coherent over the podcast, it's bec- you, like, I can't convey how hot this room and this is. So I thought it even makes sense. Thank you for sticking with us mm-hmm. up to this point. Uh, this is an episode that I really like. I hope you guys really liked it. Uh, thank you. You guys brought some interesting games and there were some interesting discussions. And you guys really thought about your answers. Hopefully we didn't drive you too crazy. If you like this show, Uh, consider supporting us if you want to see more of this If you want to see more three-hour screeds from all three of us and the other allies uh, go to patreon.com slash easy allies you can also be a sponsor on this show if you want us to pimp whatever it is that you've got we're happy to do that it's a 250 dollars tier um go to patreon.com slash easy allies for more information on that that's all spelled out there and if you want to email and really get creative and rack our brains with some interesting questions, please email askeasyallies at gmail.com. Before we leave, Hmm. I'm going to ask Kyle Bossman to give us one more musician and one more game.
2: (laughs) Uh (laughs) got him. Brutal. Okay. What else am I looking forward to next year? Spider-Man. Spider-Man. Okay. So Spider-Man, we need like teen energy. Uh, Uh, Don't say paramore. Uh, Paramore. uh, Don't say Fallout Boy. Uh, Teen Energy. Teen Energy. (laughs) Twenty
1: One Pilots. There you go.
3: Okay,
2: that's that's kind of interesting. I don't know. I don't know about like. uh, You need a take, right? You need like. Like, don't think of, the, like, don't think of, like, a funny, dumb option, but, like, take the question seriously. Teen energy.
0: Yeah. Serious
2: question. <laughs> but the thing is, he's not a teen, actually. He's, he's, the, he? he's the athlete in his prime. This is Spider-Man in his late 20s, right? Or early 20s. Uh, I can... Wh-
0: okay. Sorry. Go ahead. I got a take on this. Mm-hmm. I can see Suits saying teen energy. What do we got? And picking sleigh bells.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. That's pretty
0: cool. That's I actually cool. like sleigh bells, but yeah, I can that, see suits coming to that conclusion. It's a yeah. take,
2: uh, and I, I guess like I'd like uh, New York hip hop. I think that'd be actually interesting. Okay, if, if you treat the city like the city, right? Uh, okay, and, and so it's not too sensitized. And so yeah, I think I think that's it. I think you go for like, you don't pick one hip hop artist, but it's like a best of hits.
1: Uh, gorillas, they just have a ton of people on there. <sighs> a band that literally does. A ton of genres, not literally, but yeah, a ton of uh, genres. Here, okay, when you're I, saying you want multiple artists, but in I, it.
2: I said I want New York hip hop. There's New York. Hey, you could have New York hip hop no, in I'm there. Like, Finally, someone let me out of my head. It's
0: like, <laughs> That's the it's only just, song. <laughs> you see Spider Man come out of his room. Finally, someone let me out. Oh my god. Uh, can I? Okay, I have a joke answer, but okay. I, but I actually really want it. All right. Like this would make me happy. It sure. would be a joke. And maybe it would be a bad meme, but I, I do want it. I want a Kingdom Hearts 3 world called Margaritaville. That's what I want. Oh.
1: Ben, you have yeah. no idea how much I hate Jimmy Buffett? You yeah. hate would... Jimmy Buffett? Of course I do. Sure. Whoa, what's wrong what? with you? Brett, <laughs> I don't like
3: Jimmy do Buffett. Do I want to go
0: to Margaritaville? No. He's just a guy
3: but about chilling out. Do exactly. You, do you <laughs> want
0: to go to Margaritaville as Goofy, Donald, and Sora? No. I don't want Think to put them it. through that. Think about it. I don't want to put them through that. And all the enemies are just,
2: uh, uh, just like, manifestations. It's a bunch of people retired and wearing I Tommy
1: Bahama shirts. Yeah. It's
0: my own damn fault. Oh, man. My lost shaker. It's horrible. It's horrible. <laughs> it's actually horrible. But it would be a great Kingdom Hearts 3 world. All right, everybody. That's it. Someone let us out of our cage. Until next time.